Hello all and welcome back to the show. I'm Chance Ellison. I'm Russell Howe. And this is Notorious by Chance. Corona's not stopping us. <laughs> Pirates Month continues on. And we are in week three, which means it's time for us to look at Pirates of the Caribbean at Worlds. And as promised, we have our special guest. He's returned. He didn't get to do two, but he's going to get to do three because we need someone with his expertise to unpack this movie. It's Caleb Coe. Caleb's back. Caleb, how you doing? I'm super excited to be here. I listened to the last episode, and I felt self-conscious because I didn't have a mic, so I dusted off the mic, and hopefully my audio doesn't sound terrible. You sounded fine last time. We've done shows way worse audio. That's fair. Yeah, this is true. But still, uh, yeah, you sound great. Glad to have you back. And uh, yeah, uh, we have a whole lot to unpack with that one. First, we must be in with our usual segments. First, we have a bunch of, like we said, we recorded our first one, second one, same week. And in that week, a bunch of trailers have dropped. Probably the last couple trailers for a while, but we'll get to that in a second. Uh, first trailer we're going to be talking about <laughs> is we had a second trailer drop for Scoob. This is the animated reboot movie for Scooby-Doo, bringing back Scooby and the gang with an assortment of all new, well, not all new, but assortment of new Hanna-Barbera characters to the screen, including Blue Falcon, Dynamite, Dick Dastardly, Captain Caveman's going to be in the film. He's on the trailer. Uh, but we did get a look at some of those characters, mainly Blue Falcon, voiced by Mark Wahlberg. Uh, I forgot the character, the black, the black girl, but she's voiced by Kirstie Clemens, who was this close to being in The Flash, and still might be. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, but, uh, Caleb, what do you think of the trailer for Scoob? Do you like it more compared to the first trailer, and are you excited for this movie? I wouldn't say excited, but I don't necessarily, like, I'm not, like, excited for it, but I'm not against it. It looks kind of fun. I'll check it out just because, like, it's with Scooby Doo. You know what you're getting, but you kind of need maybe a little bit of a shakeup as to what it is for new audiences. It looks fun. The animation looks cool, so I'll check it out. It did end with a very like nightmare-inducing ritual uh, visual. <laughs> That's true. Uh, they're going to hyperspace and like it, they did like the cartoon thing where like their face gets stuck, but like it's like a very up up in quality version of animation. So like. You, like it, their mouths are open, you can like straight up like see count all the teeth they have. It's it's kind of creepy. Uh, yeah. Russell, what do you think of the second trailer for Scoob? I mean, it wasn't bad. I seen they um they obviously recycled a lot of the first trailer and it kind of spliced it in there with some new stuff. But yeah, I kind of echo what Caleb said. I mean, I'm uh, middle of the road for it. I mean, I'm I'm gonna go see it if and when it comes out. And uh, yeah. I will say, like I said, it, it should be fun. I will say I am digging the designs for both Blue Falcon and Dynamite. I think uh, they look like they look really cool. I like superheroes that would be in this world. Get a brief look at Dick Dastardly, which is which was nice. And uh, what else have we see in this show? Oh yeah, I'm I'm still not still not getting used to Will Forte as Shaggy. That's still that's still throwing me off a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we, need, we need Matt Lillard. We, yeah, we, we they, they should have just let Matt Lillard come back. Because that that dude is like that dude is like the pitch perfect Shaggy. For sure. All up to Casey Kasem, but like Matthew Lillard is my Shaggy, and Scoob as of right now is set for a <laughs> May fifteenth, twenty twenty release. Uh, next trailer we're gonna be talking about is the uh, the trailer for the Secret Garden. So Secret Garden is a movie based off of the classic uh, the classic book by. Give me a sec. I can't. I can't think of the author's name. Francis Hodgson. Yeah, that's that's it. 
it's been adapted several times. This is the first. This is the first like full length film version since '93. This one hasn't been done like a whole lot, uh, and it's directed by uh, Mark Munden. hasn't really done uh, hasn't really done a whole hasn't really done a whole lot as far as like film goes that people would know about. But it has cast features Colin Firth, Julia Walters, and uh, really no one else worth mentioning. Uh, Russell, what do you think of the trailer for, for The Secret Garden? Or is this one of the stories that... Are you excited or is this one of the stories we don't need to adapt anymore? Um, I remember seeing the 93 one was like kind of boring. I just remember... like, And I remember reading the book, I think, back in like middle school, and I remember it was boring. Uh, yeah, that's one of these ones I really don't care if it comes out or not. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it just, it just, it looks boring. It just, it just does. It just lo- really looks boring. The Russell but, uh, Gardens. Yeah, but... But it's a but it's a garden of secrets. I don't know. I just yeah. I like I said. I couldn't get on board for the ninety three one man. It was just it was it's too slow. Um, and the book wasn't that great. Yeah. I I don't know. Not my speed. Uh-huh. Is this your speed? It looks generic, but um, it looks generic. But I I don't know. Uh, Colin Firth looked like he was good. I've never read the book. I don't really know what the story's about. It kind of looks like Narnia, but. Oh well, I, I I will tell you, Caleb. It's Narnia. It's, Narnia it, it's it's not as it's not as interesting as Narnia. I'll tell you that. Fair. Like then you know what? I'm not gonna. I'm probably not gonna be interested then. But call, I will say, I'll prop the Colin. <laughs> he's 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 doing a lot of acting in that trailer. <laughs> Colin it's, Firth, the it's real Narnia interview. meets bunch bunch of weeds. It's, it's, it's weeds it. meets Narnia. Weeds meets yeah. Narnia. That's there what it is. If that there, was there if that was go. the title, billion dollar film. There you go. Uh, <laughs> the Secret Garden set for a <laughs> August. Uh, August 14th, 2020 release. Next show we're speaking about is... Uh, it's a very brief one, because for a movie that you can tell that they don't want a whole lot to leak about uh, plot-wise, that's for Antebellum. Uh, it's hard to describe what this is about. We still don't have any plot, plot detail, but the best I can decipher, maybe you guys have a different interpretation than I do, uh, it seems very much a time travel story. If, if I had to guess, it's about Janelle Monet going back in time to maybe stop slavery i'm not sure or at least like free some slaves who knows because the movie's not telling us but i do kind of like that now ross i'm gonna go to you first because this was one of your most anticipated movies of the year does this do anything to up your excitement do you like do you not like that they revealed a little more about the plot and where's your head at I mean, I'm still excited for it because I, I still think it looks like it, it looks like a good film. And this trailer's under a minute, so it really doesn't leak out too, too much. But kind of what you said, it's like you're going back in the past and undoing something or changing something. So, yeah, it's definitely going to have like that time travel aspect to it. Um, yeah, I'm still looking forward to it. And I, I really hope that they maybe don't release any more trailers. I think this is hopefully should be the last trailer. Um yeah, I'm I'm curious enough, like as is, so I don't like really want any more spoiled. I mean, it really didn't really tell you too too much, but uh, yeah, I'm still looking forward to it. Uh, I think it looks like a really good film, and uh, yeah. Now, Caleb, where are you at as far as Antebellum goes? Was movie you you're looking forward to coming this year? I have no idea what it was. I I like just kind of watched the trailer, and it gave me like us get out horror movie vibes, um, yeah. and. And it seems like it's probably going to be like a time travel horror movie, and that concept alone intrigues me. So I'll probably see it. Yeah, no, I'm I'm, I'm at that too because it does touch on like a very like like black culture thing where it's just like, yeah, we're, we're probably best that we don't travel back in time because there are very few places we can go that it would it'll work out well for us. So we're 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 gonna avoid that. But this is telling us like, yeah, this is this is why we avoid it. But yeah, I think that. 
I think it looked interesting enough to the point where, like, yeah, uh, you, you had me at trailer one, and I really, really want to see what's going on. And Antebellum is set for a currently, currently set for April twenty fourth, twenty twenty release. It has not budged. It might later, and we'll get to and we'll get to why in a sec. Uh, next show we're talking about is for a movie called Greyhound. So Greyhound is a movie starring Tom Hanks, also written by Tom Hanks, which is interesting because. This is the first movie he's written that he did not also direct. It's directed by a guy named. Uh, yeah, you guys remember the, the, the director? I know it's Adrian something. Adrian begins with an A. I can't think a- of it. Begins with an A. We're just saying Adrian something is the director of this film. Uh, and uh, it's about. Looks like to be about like a submarine, but think like kind of like a uh, Crimson Tide. Uh, but with but with Tom but with Tom Hanks instead of uh, Tom Hanks instead of Denzel. Aaron, Aaron Schneider. Aaron Schneider. What did I say, Adrian? Oops, my bad. Sorry. It begin with it. Begin with an A. Sorry, Aaron Schneider, that I messed up your name. But uh, yeah, this is going to be a project that uh, Tom Hanks is very high on. So Russell, what did, I'm sorry, Caleb, what did you think of the trailer for Greyhound? I'm not really a war movie person, really? so like, I, I I've never really enjoyed like 1917 was a shock that I even liked it. Uh, so like, I'll probably see it because I love Tom Hanks. Um, but it, it kind of looks like another World War II style Tom Hanks war movie, uh, which is fine. I'll probably see it. I'll probably enjoy it. So who knows? <laughs> All right. Well, Russell, uh, <laughs> what as someone who I believe is actually fairly, you're not like a war aficionado, but you do like you do love a good war movie. What what did you think of the look of Greyhound? Oh, yeah. I mean, kind of echo. I'm with Caleb. I mean, I'm looking forward to it just because you know Tom Hanks is involved in it, obviously. Um, which will that'll make a segue later on too, hint hint. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, we were talking about this before you and I. I, I forget what show we were talking about. Just the sheer number of war films that have come out in this last couple decades. It's like um, one, one big one a year. And I, pretty much, and it was nice that you know, kind of how Caleb had said something about nineteen seventy. It was nice to actually get World War One love because usually it's World War Two, or it's like. Uh, the Desert Storm in the Middle Eastern right. type you know, wars that we fought. So it's, it's yeah, it, it's kind of nice to see something a little bit different. But yeah, this one basically it's your World War II cut and paste type film. I mean, there's really all I got from it. You know, uh, it takes place in the '40s, so it's that World War II esque film. So I, I don't know. I'm looking forward to it just because Tom Hanks is attached to it. Kind of want to see. I mean, it, it does look suspenseful a little bit, but. I mean, again, I just think it's going to be one of those war films that you go into, and it's just like, you know, a couple years down the road, you'll be like, oh, yeah, Tom Hanks was in Greyhound. Like, I don't think it's going to be anything, like, you know, Oscar-worthy. It's not going to be a Saving Private Ryan, but, I mean, it looks it looks good enough. I mean, we I mean, we don't know. We haven't seen it, and set for a... Uh, do you remember the release of this trailer, Russell? June 12th, 2020. Oh, I was going to say, it could be an Oscar release, but no, no, it's not. <laughs> yeah, but no, it, 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 could, it could hold strong. It could hold strong. Tom Hanks is like, actually like, pretty good at picking his projects, but either way, uh, yeah, like I said, uh, it comes out June 12th, 2020. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to see it in theaters then, so we'll see. We'll see. Uh, now we get into the real big movie. This is the, this is the Disney corner of Trailer Talk. Uh, first, which is, first show talking has Black Widow. Uh, so this is the second trailer for the uh, for next movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The first movie in Marvel Phase Four is a Black Widow solo adventure. Her going, you know, back, her backstory, hitting, going the Red Room, going to her old family, 
Uh, this is the second show we've had of it, directed by Kate Shortland, coming out first weekend of May 2020. Uh, Caleb, what do you think of the trailer, for the second trailer for Black Widow, and is this, how are you on the movie in general, and is this up your excitement or decrease it, or what, what does it do for you? I'm not really excited for Black Widow in general, but that's, that comes with most MCU trailers. They, I feel like MCU trailers never do much for me, unless it's a trailer for like a sequel to something I'm already excited for anyway. Um, it was that way for like the first Guardians trailer, for the first Black Panther trailer, for the first Captain Marvel trailer. Like Whenever they introduce me to something new, in quotes, it's like... I'm not necessarily in on the trailer, but I always walk out of the movie loving it anyway. So, like, I pr- I'm sure I'm probably going to like Black Widow. Um, I just, the trailers haven't done much for me in general. Right. Okay. Uh, so, Russell, what did you think of the trailer for Black Widow? I mean, I liked it. Kind of echo what Caleb said. I mean, it's so hard to get excited about these trailers just because Marvel always has a way to put these trailers together almost kind of, like, similarly. You know what I mean? Like, it, they're always going to introduce you to this grand world, and there are all these characters, lots of fight scenes going on. And, you know, it, it seems to be, like, you know, cut and paste for a lot of these types of trailers. But I really like this whole, you know, I, I really wasn't sold too, too much on it because I think we should have done, you know, the Black Widow window, so to speak, I think closed a while ago. We really should have done the, this The Black Window back. closed a long time um, ago. Wait a minute. That sounds wrong. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what I'm saying. I just, I feel like we really needed to... You know, do this a while back. Yeah, this is um, a movie that should I, be made. I really made. wish, like, you know, if you're, if you're yeah. gonna make a movie like this, and we like, it's like, cause it's weird because I talked about this on the show before, but like, we're, we're dealing with movies like co- like cosmic entities, magic stuff, entire nations, and we're going to a spy story, which is that's kind of cool, but it's for a character who's who's dead now, so doesn't yeah, really. Yeah, so I mean, it's it's they, we I really wish we would have gotten this. Uh, you know, maybe like a decade ago would have been good. Yeah, this is like a phase one film. I'd be more excited for it yeah. right now. And but the trailer itself looks cool. I do like seeing Taskmaster do more stuff because that's a villain. It's a villain I've always liked. I've always wanted to see him translate to the big screen. And yeah, it looks like he's doing it pretty well. And I reminded why I like ta- Taskmaster as a villain because I do like I like the concept of a guy who just like his power is basically just advanced muscle memory. Like he, like, like I see you do something, I can do it too. Kind of like Elton John and Rocket Man. It's like I see you play a piano, I can play that same piano. Oh. True. Elton John should be the, the super villain. He, Elton John should play Taskmaster. So Listen, wait, if you've seen Kingsman, like... if you've seen Kingsman two, he could do it. He could, he do, could it. do it. Let's let's get this reshot with Elton John as Taskmaster. I'm I'm down. Let's let, let's get Sir Elton John in the MCU. I I approve this message. You could do the soundtrack. It'd be, it'd be great. But uh, yeah, uh, Black Widow, like we said, released I believe May first, twenty twenty. Is whatever the first Friday of May. Is. Yeah, that's, be, that's what's coming out. Yeah, you're. Yeah, yeah it is. Uh, next trailer, also also a big Disney release, is uh, Jungle Cruise. The latest, we're going to try and turn a theme park into a movie, which is fitting because we're talking about Pirates of the Caribbean this whole month. We're going to try and turn a theme park into a movie to get a big return on it. A move that has worked a grand total of one time. <laughs> it hasn't worked again since. <laughs> uh, but they're trying it again. This time they got the star power of Dwayne, The Rock Johnson, and Emily Blunt in, the, in this joint right here. So uh, I'm going to go first on this one because for me this... I always got this vibe seeing it, and going all the way back to when I saw the first snippet of it at D23, which would become the first teaser, I always got, like, mummy vibes from this one. Like, not like mummy, like, 
classic yeah. like Boris Karloff. I got like Brendan Fraser mummy vibes from this one. Just like if it, if this were the nineties, I'm pretty sure Fraser might have led it, or Steven Sondheim might have directed it. Uh, but Russell, what did you think of the trailer for uh, the second trailer for Jungle Cruise? Because this is the second one we've had. I mean, I take the same out of it. I mean, it looks good. I mean, again, it's one of those things where, kind of how you said, they only had one successful, uh, you know, attraction turn, you know, movie franchise. Obviously, we're talking about it. Um, if anybody's going to do it, though, the star power that Dwayne The Rock Johnson has, I mean, is just very, you know, undeniable. You know, anything he he can do, he can like really light it up and do it big. Obviously, we saw even with Hobbs and Shaw, which was, I mean, you know, a completely flawed movie. But still made tons of money, and, and The Rock is the you know the reason for that. He's just a draw. Um, I mean, again, I I, I kind of want to see how he plays off of with Emily Blunt. I think they have good you know on screen chemistry together from the trailers. Um, yeah, and I think it's gonna do. I think it's gonna do big numbers. It's it's set at that perfect time at the end of July. Um, I think it's gonna make good money, and I'm looking forward to seeing it. I mean, I think it'll be kind of how you said one of those mummy esque type adventure type films, and it looks fun. Uh, Caleb, what do you think of the trailer for the for the mummy? Sorry, not the mummy. Uh, for Jungle Cruise. <laughs> uh, the Jungle Cruise. Jungle Cruise looks fun. Uh, I like Emily Blunt. I like The Rock. I think it's gonna be. I think it, it it's got the Disney money in behind it to make it look super cool, like production design wise, and just the vibe of the movie. I'm interested. I think it's gonna be fun. Uh, nothing too crazy special, but I'm gonna see it. It looks fun. Yeah, I mean, Dis- Disney has all our all our dollars because we're giant shield for that corporation already don't, don't worry it'll be coming out on disney plus i'm just kidding <laughs> straight to disney plus <laughs> i feel like of all the theme park movies they've made this probably has the most chance of being a successful film because you know look you look at what else they've done it's like tomorrowland and haunted mansion could have if it was led by anybody else but eddie murphy yeah, I mean, he was just big at the time, and I think that that's why they went with him. I mean, I, I sense at the time. I still believe that there's a way that you can make a good Haunted Mansion movie. Oh, you I, could. I, I think there's a great Haunted Mansion movie inside there somewhere. Um, but yeah. I tell you, a good a good film that almost had like a Haunted Mansion-type vibe was The Haunting with Liam Neeson. That was a really good film, I no, remember. No, 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 uh, no, 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 no. Back then in the... In the we're, we'll, no? we'll, we'll get we'll get you, you, you step too far. You stepped way too far. <laughs> no, it was a good it was a it was a good film. It was a good PG thirteen scare film. Uh-huh. Yeah, I remember seeing it back in the theater. So I, yeah. I enjoyed it. You didn't, Russell, didn't like it, ha- have you have you seen it recently? Uh, it has it not aged kindly? It, it, yeah, it, it's not as good as you remember. Okay, we'll we'll get to it in a few All weeks. Right, so. <laughs> no, I, okay, I do agree with Caleb. Especially. Go have, having gone on Haunted Mansion like very recently, like, there is like a lot, a lot of mythology, a lot of lore, a lot of like really like cool things you can do with that property, and I, like stuff yeah. I'm sure, stuff I'm sure Guillermo del Toro wanted to do, but <laughs> he didn't let him make the movie. Uh, but yeah, I I think like of other theme park, the theme park movie they tried recently, this one has a very good chance of succeeding, especially with the star power they have. And yeah, set for a July twenty fourth, twenty nineteen. 2019, 2020 release. Apologies. Uh, and so we take a time machine back. <laughs> we got to take a time machine. Can can back we? In time. Can we? Can we please? Because to avoid all this stuff that we're gonna talk about, in just like just one quick second. Oh god, seriously. Can can you give us another year to prep for this fucking stuff? Yeah, and the last show we're talking about again for the last Disney property is one that I think looks like something very special, and that is Soul. This is the first full trailer we've gotten. And this kind of goes into more of that story. So, like we said, this is about a musical, a musical band teacher, voiced by Jamie Foxx. 
who he gets a big jazz gig and falls into a hole, like you do, which causes his soul to leave his body. And as a result, he, uh. instead of dying, he goes through the, uh, I think this is called like the pre-life or the pre-beyond. The, yeah, the, great, be- the great before. Great the before. great before. Thank you. Uh, in order to try and find his way back to his body, he teams up with another Soul 22, voiced by Tina Fey, who it's not said in this trailer, but it's said like she's been at this like uh, great before for like millions of years, which is where she gets named 22. Uh, and yeah, it looks, I, I will say, this movie looks, to me at least, this is my second most anticipated movie of the year, and I think it looks incredible. It's the animation looks spot on. I think it's going to, I think it's hitting some really, really great emotional beats. I think Pixar's gotten infinitely better at animating people because these animation-wise, it looks awesome. I dig the story. I dig the the score being done by uh, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. Uh, I I think this movie's going to be something really special. And uh, Caleb, as as someone like me who's like a giant Pixar fan, uh, what do you take away from this trailer? Are you excited for Soul? Oh, this is my number one most anticipated movie of Oh, the number year. one? Uh, wow. Number one. It, come, it comes down to just the concept that they pitched like a year ago of like this is going to deal with identity and like what makes a person unique. And then that this trailer totally just delivers on such an even bigger story of just like, oh, yeah, uh, just uh, why, why would you want – is all that living really worth dying? is my favorite line from that trailer and that's the question that they seek to answer in this movie and i already know i'm gonna be a wreck watching it but it's like a movie that's like if pixar was trying to build a perfect movie for me they've done it with soul especially down to the trent reznor atticus ross score like that's a movie that i cannot wait for all right so yeah uh we caleb pretty excited just as i am and uh russell how this up your excitement for soul because i don't think this is on your top 10 but i know you were looking it forward wasn't to it. on my top 10 and i and you know I'm, I'm also the same person to put the way back at number one i mean come on um yeah i mean i'm absolutely anything pixar does obviously you're invested in it you know they've they have a you know you know a good track record um and kind of how you know we got the inside out type vibe to it inside out is such a different exploration as a Pixar film that they took, you know, everything you knew about Pixar and they really dove deeper into, you know, just the human emotions and stuff like that. Now adding that and taking the different, you know, slice of, uh, you know, the human, you know, soul in general, I just think it's, I think it's really fantastic. I think it's going to have a really great score and soundtrack. Um, kind of how you said echo what you said, chance the, you know, the animation looks so sharp. Um, we've really gone, we've really matured a long way. <clears throat> through the days of you know the Pixar you know even from like like 1995 to now like just look at it in the sheer amount of like 20 years you know 25 years where we've come um, yeah I'm looking forward to it I think it's it's going to be a great film I, I would have probably put that in my honorable mention uh, not like I got anything against animated films I just you know I resonate a little obviously a lot more with you know right. live action films or action type films or, or like you know but yeah looks good though I'm I'm, I'm on board I, I think it's going to be really good it, and kind of how you said it's going to be a special film. It definitely got the uh, waterwork vibes. There's going to be some emotional scenes in there for sure. And it is Pete Docter right back behind like, the camera, question mark, because they don't really shoot on cameras like that. But it's, Pete Docter is back in the director's chair. That's a better term for it, for this movie. This first one's Inside Out. and this like, He's the only Pixar director to have like a perfect track record. Every time he says to, to, to bat, hits a home run. Whether it's Monsters, Inc., whether it's uh, – he did Up, right? Whether, whether it's up, whether would, it's... Are we yeah. calling up a home run? Yeah, I would call it a home run. No. At least a triple. Oh, absolutely. At least a triple. Absolutely. 
give a triple. Okay, I guess we know. I mean, if we were talking up, I guess we know we're bringing back on. But that's. I mean, but it's one of those things. I get it. I, I understand the the you know the the negative sides to up. Obviously, the first ten minutes is the, where the heart and soul of the movie is. I get it, but it's all the journey of Carl Fredrickson in general. I understand there's some slow parts of it, but overall, though, I still think it's like one of Pixar's best. I mean, that's just that's just me. Um, I get it. Not everybody's on camp with that. I, I totally understand that. Okay, I, I wouldn't call Peter Doctor a bad director by any means. Um, okay, I think I'm, Re- I'm excited. Rephrasing, rephrasing for Coho. When he says up to bet, he hits a he hits a good hit. You happy now, Coho? God, you up hater. Thank you. Thank you, you. Hate you hate old men. You hate Boy Scouts. You hate dogs. I'll, I'll also go on track record to say because I'm not a fan of Inside Out either. Jesus so. Christ! What? Oh yeah, I'm, wow! I'm not a fan of Inside Out. Okay, you know I'm in the huge minority on that one. Enjoy the last time Coho here, people. folks. Last time he's on you the show. People, you hate people named Russell, apparently. Hate people Russell named Russell. Up. Way, to, way, way to go, Coho. Thought we, thought, we were, thought we were cool. Oh, man. He hates emotions. <laughs> he hates children from Minnesota, which is really weird for him. Shit. He, he hates hockey. They, the fact that they tried to make it for me by making that character so <laughs> rooted in Minnesotan like, culture... And it still didn't work is an even bigger black mark on that for my for that movie. For well, me. sorry they can't oh. be sorry they can't be as nuanced as cars. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's gonna do it for trailer talk for us. But uh, yeah, we're now moving on to uh, notorious news. And yeah, I will say I will preface this by saying, like we said, uh, we recorded a bunch last two weeks ago because I was going on spring break. I did get to go to Orlando. I had to hit up Universal. Got to hit up Disney. Got to ride. The brand new Rise of the Resistance over in Galaxy's Edge was the first time I've been there, and that park is incredible. Rise of the Resistance is great. It's the most impossible ride to get onto in the park, but I got to ride it, and it was cool. <laughs> and I was there literally as the world was ending because I think the last time we talked about coronavirus was when Bond Jeez. 25 was when Bond 25 was delayed, wasn't it? <laughs> We, we we escalated quickly, man. Yeah, we did because in that time, so many things have happened. Because the threat level has gone, we we went to like cold black zones with Corona. We went from zero to one eighty, man. We did. Oh, yeah. Here here's some things that are that are have been changed or delayed or canceled because of Corona. Uh, F nine delayed eleven months. Now coming out yeah. in April of twenty twenty one. Mulan delayed. New Mutants. Because the movie cannot catch a break, <laughs> delayed again. They're like, re- they're like, really? Maybe people won't realize it. <laughs> oh, we we noticed. Uh, Quiet Place. Oh yeah, trust me. Other other ones delayed indefinitely or are uh, delayed a few weeks. Uh, Quiet Place Two, Peter Rabbit Two. That's the one that went too far. How dare you keep my Peter Rabbit? Screw you, Corona. Seriously, and it, it, it's going to be uh, Easter Easter coming up soon. <laughs> no what Easter. The heck? Uh, Antlers, The Lovebirds. South by Southwest was canceled. E3 was canceled. Coachella was moved to October. NBA is on suspension. MLB is on suspension. NHL, MLS, Disney parks college have fo- college football. College football. No, college basketball. Spring games. Oh, spring games. Spring games. Yeah, those, those are done right now. Yep. Uh, the March Madness tournament canceled. March Madness was canceled. <laughs> Uh, Dis- Disney is- and Universal Parks have closed till the end of the month, which is funny because I was there literally just as they were closing. I, my, tripped, my trip literally ended as it coincided with the closure of the parks. Uh, and it was announced today Mars Universal and- City Walk is closing. 
Was that bars and restaurants in Ohio have all closed? Uh, they only are doing takeout only. Same uh, thing my with wife, L- actually, same thing with LA. This will be her. This will be here last night at Muscarella's. Uh, they are closing for dine in. I don't know what they're going to do. They're uh, they they might set something up for takeout only. But yeah, it's just it's it's really crazy. Like how this, you know, these local businesses and stuff like that are going to really get hit hard with this. Yeah, uh, uh, movie theaters, Regals are closing entirely. AMC, as of right now, is limited seating. But I'm I'm gonna go out on a limb and say by the time by the time, the time uh, this publishes. I, I have friends who still work at an AMC. I used to work at an AMC. They are gonna close. Yeah, I, I was gonna. I was gonna say gonna by the time this by the time this publishes, they'll probably be closed. Uh, Broadway Re- closed until I closed uh, till further notice. I think until like, April, something like that. Something like that. Yeah, and then I know uh, colleges. Uh, my stepdaughter, they canceled the rest of the uh, semester. They're actually going to do it online. Yeah, that, well, mine's not closed to the end of semester. It's clo- my our, my college is closed until the 6th of April. Then they're doing evaluation, and we'll see uh, if it can April. reopen. Okay. But they also canceled all the major events. So, yeah, corona's, uh, corona's escalated. <laughs> and all this is in, like, a period of, like, 20, 24, 48 hours. So, yeah, people are fighting over toilet paper. I mean, like, jeez, oh, man. That's true. Crazy. Mass hysteria, man. So yeah, uh, Russell, you told me before we aired, yeah, well, because you work at you work your TSA, so you told me like your airport is basically dead right yeah. now. Yeah, we're. I mean, we were really slow. Uh, I was kind of telling you off air. We put in like I was working at the other checkpoint. There's two checkpoints at the Pittsburgh airport. Um, the one checkpoint uh, was like last Friday. We got hit really hard. We um, put in over three thousand people, which is like a really busy day for us there. Uh, I worked at same exact checkpoint couple days ago friday which would have been friday the 13th go figure and um we only put in maybe like three or four hundred people total um today's numbers they projected numbers at we're okay so they kind of give you like a little bit of uh average of how like it works like usually a typical slow day when we hear like eleven thousand people ten thousand people that's like a slow day for us um, summer days and with spring break, we can go anywhere from like 16,000, 18,000. I've seen it almost at 20,000. So just to give you a little bit of perspective of where we're at today was 7,000, but we didn't even really screen 7,000 people. Um, when I worked, I think we pro- we had like trickling in, you know what I mean? A trickling effect. Um, and then it got word that tomorrow the numbers are only 5,000. So we were really starting to see a, a nosedive with, um, people, you know, traveling out and, um, to me, it's just it's really befuddling because, you know, we had we just had that sh- government shutdown last year that we you know endured together. Uh, we're five weeks. We weren't paid. We just had to go to work and, you know, just, you know, lace up our shoes and, and go, you know, and grind it. Um, now we have this one, which is like really unfortunate because we're in a spot now where it's like we are the closest contact to some of these people that may or may not be having, you know, the coronavirus. And it's scary. Um, you're, you know, kind of playing with fire here, you know, and I really think that if they want to harbor and kind of like really, you know, uh, keep this coronavirus in check, I think the, the, the smartest thing would be to, uh, suspend air travel unless it's immediately necessary. Um, I don't see, you know, I don't see how we benefit having air travel and people going out and just like not even, I mean, I get it. You know, we laughed it off. I mean, yeah, it's okay. The numbers are not staggering enough. Like, it's not Italy. You know, I, I can understand that. I mean, but we're still getting cases. I mean, I think 
this is widespread chaos. I think the media is really playing hand hand on on this, and I think just us as a people are just kind of overreacting to this. But at the end of the day, you know, we still come home to families and stuff like that. And I just think that the um, you know the the best uh, you know you know path to go is just to really just suspend air travel. You know. Okay, so we'll so we're gonna we're gonna break down a lot of this because. <laughs> First of all, first thing I want to talk about. I know about it was is, a lot. It was a lot. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I know, I know, and, and it's fine. Uh, first thing I want to talk about, unknowable, because like, main question we're gonna be talking about is like, is this all this just a little too excessive? Because like, I look at something like yeah. okay, like delaying Quiet Place too. I get it. The world kind of feels like it's ending. You don't want to raise a, a world a movie where the world is ending. I get it. Plus, uh, with all the closure well, right, that, going on right now, you're probably weeks away too. Yeah, and plus yeah. you're probably not going to do very yeah. well. Anyways, F nine delaying itself eleven months, I think, is a little ridiculous. Yeah, it's it's super drastic. You could easily put that in the end of you put that in July somewhere. It doesn't need to be. Yeah, that's that's overdoing it. Also, because like I think that they're also like really blowing it for themselves because there's no way in hell they're gonna do anywhere as well in 2021 than they would if they were just released in the summer. Because I I kind of disagree. Really, Fast you disagree? Has been crushing in the April months. You know, like when they put them out in April, those Fast and Furious movies just smash. So I think they want to keep an April spot, and it won't be cleared up probably till May. So they would rather just move it a year so they still have the <laughs> April spot. And it's smart. They didn't totally start no. their marketing, so all they have to do is change the day number or the year right. number it, from April 2020 to April 2021. But, but, at, but at the same time, yeah, I but think the, they're... Okay, the Russell's, movie's done. movie is done. The movie's done. Yeah, so I mean, like, kind of what you... Kind of what I think you're going there, uh, Chance. I think delaying it a whole 11 months, almost a year, I just think it's kind of foolish. I think you can still... I, I, I get it. They're erring on the side of caution, Chance, and I mentioned this, I think, on the last episode. The... the, uh, inter, the um, the you know overseas haul, I get it. That that's a that's a juggernaut for for Fast and the Furious. China is a huge market for Fast and the Furious franchises, just like Transformers and all those big action packed films. You know, and I get it. You know they're they're trying to you know they're trying to say you know hey we'll play a, we'll, we'll, we're going to make it eleven months just to try to recoup and see what we can we could do some damage next April. I think you'll be able to do that if you release it in June or July. And something you know? I, I something I will add because I, I I don't think you're correct. I'm not. I'm not disparaging the release date because I, I do think yeah like you said they do they did do well fast eight did really well in april two years three years ago when it came yeah. out but uh we're gonna push back a little bit because i think that they had like a prime spot this year to be like number one all like all like number one of the entire year like for, for four are, or five weeks absolutely yeah and also just like well, i'm num- saying like number one at the box office in general yeah no, and, sure. and, and, and i'm saying like number one like of the year like of the year like oh, i think absolutely. easy when you look easy. at like the outlook easy. of this year like it's not a whole lot of like flagship like tent pole movies that was one of them and now they're moving into 2021 a year with uh thor love and thunder and the batman and a ton of other yeah. Big competition that's just going to come out and just snipe it. I don't think it's going to do nearly as well as it would have had it come out this year. But I do see I mean, a point. You're still going to get the people to see the film, so you know what I mean. No, Regardless, I think you will. Now, uh, do do we th- now? Like aside aside from that, uh, we're not going to go overall, but <laughs> I do want to talk about New Mutants because yeah, this movie just can't catch a break. <laughs> we are, can't catch a break. Dude. We we are never meant to see this movie. I'm convinced. Like, yeah. If they were smart, also they would just released it and blamed it on Corona if it did badly. 
Listen, can I just say, okay, the one positive side to coronavirus, if there is one, is the memes are hilarious. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think some of these, it was funny because did you see the meme where they were like, you guys had to conjure up evil. You guys all started standing your stupid brooms up in the up in the kitchen or whatever. And you, you conjured the spit. You, co- you you guys started the coronavirus or you something ca- like that. You, really you, conjured, you conjured a plane. You, you guys like, <laughs> dude. Good. It was funny. Then there's another one. I this one's gold. I, I might have to. I, I just want to tell you guys because I I took a screenshot of it when I saw it because these these are just really funny. Yeah, that's the one. Um, it has Kathy Bates from Waterboy, and it says there was no coronavirus till y'all made them brooms stand up. Y'all let the evil in. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's another funny that. one. There's another funny one where it shows um, Jack Torrance driving with uh, the you know his wife and uh, son. Oh, the and it says a couple weeks of ice from The Shining. A couple weeks of isolation with the family. What could go wrong? I didn't see that one. And uh, yeah, and I just think it's funny. I just I mean like some of that stuff. You know, you gotta think outside the box. In a, in a in a time right now where it's like mass hysteria, you know, it, people are just overreacting, and I, like I, it's scary because like. Like this is how people are going to react when something bad happens. Like there's no, you know, calmness. There's no rational thought. You know what I mean? It's it's so irrational decisions and behavior. It's scary. But um, the memes at least are are the amusing part. So there's that. Yeah. Now I I will say and like also like Mike and Bethany were on last week. Like they work at uh, yeah. NBC Sports Grill, and like when all of, like the sports were saying like oh yeah we're going to spend our season like we were all talking it was like what are we what are we going to do at work now because we're about to be a sports bar with no sports. Like there's, there's no point. Seriously, in we, staying open. It, it's funny because you you know you think about it, you step back and think about it. You know, we just live our lives and we just do. You know what I mean? We just do because we're just so used to just doing it. You know what I mean? Right. You step back and then there's like bars and restaurants are closed. You can't just go do something. You know what I mean? You, you're restricted yeah. on. You can't go to a movie. You can't go work out at a gym. You know, it, it's it's a different time, and I don't think we as a society or we as people just aren't used to that. And it's scary. I mean, it's it's the unknown. You know what I mean? Um, but I just think, you know, just like everything else, like you know, the Ebola and all the other things that we had to go swine flu and stuff that we, you know, we 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 persevered. We overcame it. I think that's just what's going to happen now. And we're just going to look at this a couple months down the road and be like, do you remember when everybody like fought over toilet paper? <laughs> so yeah. So seriously, dude. There, people. Did you see? Um, I think was it Jim Green posted something about like in Corpus Christi, Texas, or whatever. Right, lines. there was um, like the long lines for groceries. First off, if I seen that line, I'd be like, "Yep, not going there right now. I'll go somewhere else." You know, what I mean, I'm not gonna wait in a giant line like that. That's crazy, crazy stuff. Oh yeah, I, I went to my store this morning. They were they were all like like all the meats were being taken. Everything that was left, like all the plant based yeah, stuff, I, like your Beyond Burgers and your Impossibles. <laughs> I'm just like, dude, like, relax. It's so funny because, like, we were laughing. We were talking at the airport because everybody's all about hand sanitizers now. So, like, now we allow people to bring up 12 ounces of hand sanitizer with them because anything over 3.4 ounces, usually we can't let go through the checkpoint. But we're making an exception because of the coronavirus that if you have a clear, you know, like a bottle of, like, 12 or less ounces of hand sanitizer, it can go through the checkpoint. Um, But we were talking about, like, the hand sanitizer. I get it, but, like, Soap worked fine before then, you know what I mean. So why are people like like lining up for soap and stuff like that? It's all about the, yeah, well, you know what I mean. It's all about the. Um, well, I, and I also I will say know. like on on my flights back, like they had those things where they they like wipe down the seats. Literally the entire plane smells yeah. like, smells like rubbing alcohol for like the solid like five yeah. to ten minutes. 
So, Ko, I, w- I will ask you. Yeah. I will ask you. How are you spending your quarantine? And is there anything that got like canceled or delayed that you that like hit you personally? I mean, I was kind of looking forward to Fast and Furious Nine. The one that hits me the most is still No Time to Die. No Time to Die. Oh, that, that movie. I think that movie's gonna yep. take the biggest hit for moving. Um, no, I don't it's know. Moving, it's moving to a weekend with a Disney animated movie and a week before or after the Eternals, which is an MCU movie. So like, they had like three weeks of pure real estate to just crush and be the only choice. Now they have hard competition for the rest of the year to deal with so that bums me out um but other than that like I, i'm just spending my coronacation trademark zach ford um <laughs> to uh to just study for movie trivia <laughs> i have the chance and i have the i have the room now to just watch all the stuff i've never seen and work on matches that i got coming up you can see where all of our priorities are, are as uh, movie nerds right absolutely <laughs> Uh, my my priority as a faction manager and as a player is to make sure we all are winning right now. Damn hey, it. I mean, and, and I like, and it sucks that I still got to go to work, man. It's like I'm like the do, only man. person. Like my wife, yeah, like my my wife, like this is her last night. Uh, my one stepdaughter, she works at a school that's like for the next two weeks, it's like paid leave or whatever. Uh, it's like I'm the only one I got to go work. It sucks, man. It's just, uh, but like I'm hoping. Kind of like what I just, my whole little spiel I said. I really think the best thing to do in this whole situation, especially if you want to inoculate and just like keep this thing, you know, from spreading out even more. Because what you're doing is even if you're only putting 7,000 people through, they're going to places where it, 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 it probably has been, you know what I mean? And they're taking it and bringing it back. So you're still, you're still populating this virus, you know what I mean? I think the best thing to do is hunker down for a couple of weeks, ground flights, and just, uh, Let's get back to normal life here. You know what I mean? Let's let's beginning of April. Let's get back into some norm, you know, normality. Andrew, we got, we'll, we, see. We, we'll see. We gotta what get uh, we gotta get Zach Ford on this on this at some point. Hundred um, percent. Yeah, uh, but uh, he's he's good to talk to because remember, yeah. Oh yeah, he is. We, we did have we did have a whole thing we did with him that we didn't publish because we reworked the show. But uh, never, 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 never yeah. mind that. Never mind that because yeah. Uh, so Corona. Uh, hopefully, uh, you'll spend your time, you know, indoors. Hope you stocked up on whatever you need. Listen to your podcast, hashtag indoors by chance. <laughs> and, uh, I like yeah. the plug. Write it, write it out because we're going to be doing this for, we're going to be doing this for a little bit. Or, or so it hashtag, looks. Hashtag March sadness. Hashtag March sadness. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we were talking about. It was funny because like there was like they had T-shirts made March sadness, and then there's other shirts like I survived the coronavirus of 2020. Like it's it's, it's creative, man. We're gonna we're gonna look back in a couple months, and we're just gonna like be like, damn, that was fucking crazy. But we got out of it. You know, it'll be good. Yeah, it's podcast time, guys. You just gotta listen to podcasts. Sit back and you know listen to listen to some Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, let's listen. No, don't watch the movie. Just listen. Just listen to it. Listen to the three-hour Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Yeah, absolutely. I will actually save you a lot of time. All right. Uh, so yeah, that's our that's our Corona talk for this one. Uh, now we get some actual like entertainment news. Uh, well, not that this isn't, but like some actual like stuff that's some actually like, cool sounding stuff. First of which is uh, we talked a few weeks prior about there being a new Scream movie. And it just landed uh, directors of Ready or Not. Could not tell you the names to save my life, but uh, they'll be the one tackling this new Scream project. Now, uh, I know Russell and I are pretty big fans of this film. Caleb, did you, did you see Ready or Not? 
Oh, yeah. I saw it. I really liked it. It was in my oh, top 10 of 2019 for a while there. Of, and then it it ended up falling film. off, but it's it's a really fun movie. I enjoy that. Great film. Now, do you like, underrated. Yeah, now, sure. uh, uh, how are you on the Scream franchise? And, and if they're making another movie, do you like the idea of these uh, this pair of directors tackling the property? Uh, I've never seen the Scream movies. Really? So that, that's a oh, big what? blind spot I've got that I'm going to cover over my Corona. Yeah, yeah. I want to say cover that over your Corona. On my, on my chronication, <laughs> I got to check out the Scream franchise. But I, I think if you're going to pick directors that are, like, creative and have, like, in like have this, like, ingenuity and a different approach to it, I think they're the right people to do it. I mean, the last four are all Wes Craven, right? And he passed. So, yes. like, if you have to have someone else take that, that, that franchise and try and do something new with it that doesn't kind of just feel like a parody of a parody of a parody of a parody, then I think Scream 5 with those two is a good choice. Okay, so Russell, as someone who is a Scream fan, do you like the do you like yeah. the idea of these two working on this new movie? Can we just jab at uh, can we just jab at Caleb real quick and say that like yes. even Hunter, even Hunter is Hunter Scream. Hunter saw this yeah. saw these movies. <laughs> Come on, yeah, that's one of his. Favorites. But I, I haven't I haven't I haven't like lived or died by getting a Scream question right or wrong though. <laughs> not yet. Yeah, I mean, not yet. You have it. It's not yet. General stuff where you could probably yeah you could probably limp through it and like you know it's so. It's so commonplace that you'd probably get it anyway without actually seeing a film. Um, yeah, no, but yeah, to answer your question, Chance, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Scream 3 is the worst of the four, for sure. I would agree. Um, I mean, just to me, I just think that, um, I mean, it's just so, it's such a great franchise. And what, you know, what you know, Wes Craven did in 1996 with this, you know, really putting a horror genre back on the map. Um, I really think that the yeah the directors of Ready or Not I think you know could tackle it. I mean that Ready or Not was such a surprise, you know. And I think isn't Williamson coming back to do to produce? Uh, he I might saw. be. I'm not sure. Maybe I couldn't tell you. Williamson, right? Right? Isn't it, isn't it Williamson? Kevin Williamson, the writer. Yes. Kevin Williamson. Yeah, I think he's producing or he's doing something with it. I think he was already he had already said that he was he was interested. Okay. From what I read, I don't. I could I could be maybe misspoke there, but I'm pretty sure I saw that. So he was a, he was a huge part in the, in the success of that film as well too, just because he's a really great writer. Um, and yeah, I love, love the franchise. I mean, do I want another one? You know me, I'm just like, uh, we're going to do this again, but I mean, I love the horror, you know, horror franchise, obviously. Um, I wouldn't be opposed to it. I just don't think we really need it. I mean, the 1996 is going to stand the test of time as a classic. I just don't think that we really need to do, you know what I mean? I mean, I get it. MTV did the series to kind of get the new generation involved with Scream, but I still think that you're going to find that lore no matter what. Um, just look at the, you know, the longevity of like franchises like Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the Thirteenth, Texas Chainsaw, Saw, or even Saw now. You know what I mean? Right. I, I don't think we really need it, but nonetheless, I absolutely will uh, be in line first night for that film. Uh, yeah. So, uh, bottom line, Caleb, watch the Scream movies over your uh, over your over your coronation. And yeah, that's a uh, shock, dude. The, I, I am not talking to like they seem like the movies that you Jeez. would really dig, which is why I think. Yeah, and for, absolutely. I'll take those suggestions and I will watch the four as soon as I finish Braveheart. Oh boy. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, speaking of reboots, poss or remix, possibly definitely not a sequel. Uh, we have some information on the Spawn reboot. So now it was announced years ago that Blumhouse uh, was going to oh, make. Boy. Is going to make a new Spawn movie with Todd McFarlane at the helm, 
Uh, it was really going okay. along well. Uh, Jamie Foxx was going to play Spawn. They cast Jeremy Renner as Twitch, who is a supporting character in the comics. But then the reboot is kind of like the remake kind of stalled. And looking back is definitely on Todd McFarlane because he had some he had some demands that came out recently. And according to himself, he uh, his demands were one uh, had to be rated R. Two, this is actually this is his quote. I want to make sure I don't misquote this story. Uh, he says that. Hold on, let me find it. Okay, yeah, I said like with the story, I want to tell my intent goes back to, to that Spawn cloud. I am less concerned what happens in the movie as long as Spawn is cool and badass. And the last, the last of his demands is, I am the director. Everything else is up for conversation. So that, those are the three. Just, um, only, only those three. Uh, now, oh, I will say, I would love to see a new Spawn film. I love the comic. Yeah. I love the cartoon with Keith David on HBO. HBO, one, HBO, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Uh, hearing these demands, maybe Spawn, maybe Tommy Brown's not the right guy to adapt this. Look, I get it. And I, I get why he's making these demands, because he seems like someone who's very, very protective of this property, especially seeing the 97 yeah, I mean, film. Yeah, Especially with the 97 film. Uh, but hearing... With, with something like story doesn't matter <laughs> kind of makes me... Yeah. Ooh, I don't know about that. But, uh, uh, Ko, are you, are you familiar with Spawn, either the comic or the cartoon? Or the 97 film? I never, I never like, read the comic or, like, been super close to the property itself. But, like, as... As someone who keeps up with comic book industry and like knows very much who Todd McFarlane is, uh, I don't think he should be directing this movie. I don't even think he should be writing this movie. I think he should produce it because he has ideas, but he doesn't have a direction. And he's some—he's the definition of too close. He's too close to this thing. So if it get—if it goes wrong, he's going to be taking it super personally and burn a lot of bridges. If it goes right then like oh great he's the one in a million shot where someone who is way too close to a project actually succeeds at making that project good and sometimes the personal touch can make it good but i think he's he's almost too protective to let anything like film is very collaborative it's one of the most collaborative mediums so like he's used to comics which is a very two three person project Whereas now a movie, you're gonna have like over a hundreds of people working on your project, and you have to be able to con- like collaborate with every single one of them and have different ideas. And I don't think he's ready to do that. So I think I don't think he should be directing it. I love the idea of Blumhouse making it because a, a small like smaller budget superhero movie sounds dope. But uh, I just I don't I don't see this going forward with Todd McFarlane as a director. And uh, I, d- I don't think it should. I'd also some I also have a little pushback to the fact that like, I mean. Yeah, he, maybe he's not the right guy, but they gave Jeff Wadlow like twenty million dollars to make two really shitty films. So I think you can give him, give him do whatever he wants. But I, I, I can't in that kind of boat now. Russell, are you are you any more familiar than Coho is with the Spawn property? Yeah, I actually, um, I actually got into uh, actually, believe it or not, when the, the movie was coming out, I kind of like did some like research on it. Oh, Russell knows about the funny books. He knows he knows about the funny books. I got the number one. I, a little bit, yeah. Um, but yeah, I had I got I had bought the number one issue. I think it was like it was like really hard to find at the time. I think I got it like a comic store for like twenty five bucks, thirty bucks, which I mean at the time was pretty expensive for just one comic book. But it's the number one. Come on. Um, 
yeah, I just I remember watching the movie just being kind of like I liked it at the time because that came out in like what ninety seven, I believe ninety seven yeah ninety seven ninety eight ninety eight oh it was ninety eight. 98 or 97? I want to say 97, but never, regardless, keep going. I want to say 97, too. So anyway, um, got into it, man. I really liked it. I liked the uh, the comic, the story. I love the, you know, McFarlane as a as an illustrator, so, you know, vibrant. Just He's so, you know it's him, you know what I mean? By just looking at the pictures, you kind of, you, you he has his own stamp on his artwork. Um, and I just, I liked it a lot. Uh, the cartoon on HBO, I really enjoyed because it was a little bit more free reign. You know, you had that, you know, HBO type thing so where you could kind of get away with doing things like you necessarily really couldn't do obviously bringing it out to animated form on like in a movie theater you know um do i think the demands are going to work no probably not kind of how what caleb said he just it's he's too close to the project or to the title you know because that's his baby i get it you want to have that type of input it's almost how like lucas with star wars you know what i mean you you kind of have your your baby and you kind of want to just you know sometimes the best decisions sometimes the hardest decisions to do I put it in somebody else's hands. I think that they could do it. Kind of what Coho said, make him a producer, make him feel part of it. Like, absolutely have tossed him the ideas. Cause I mean, this is your property. Toss the ideas. Uh, I think the one thing that would, would stand for sure. You have to rate it R. Absolutely. Cause he's just the type of character kind of like, uh, like a venom type character. You have to, I, I get, you know, venom was PG 13, but uh, you, you got to rate it R with, uh, with Spawn for sure. Almost like a Logan esque type character. And um, yeah, I just, I don't know. I don't think some of the other demands, though, uh, are going to really fly. I think he kind of just needs to, like, kind of, like, let the hands, like, free reign it a little bit. But, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Like, if it happens, it happens. Because the 1997 one, obviously, like, going back, watching it, seeing it's it's awful. Um, and, like, maybe bring John Leguizamo back. No. Just kidding, joking, joking, joking. Um, but yeah, like I said, I, I'm totally down for it. I think it's it's over twenty, you know, twenty almost twenty five years going on here soon. So yeah, I think it's time. I'd be down for it. Yeah, no, yeah, it has I, to be radar though for sure. I mean, I, I want spawn, more, another spawn movie, a good spawn movie with the next guy. It just feels like it feels like we may have to wait till McFarland dies for this to be made because <laughs> he's not going to let anyone else do it. I mean, it, 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 that's, that's what it sounds like because. If, if if he's not letting anybody else but him do it, it's not going to happen because he's apparently it looks like he's hard to work with. So it's got to it's got to wait it out. It's kind of like it's kind of like when Star Trek Generations wanted to unite the two the two captains, but Gene Roddenberry says no, so they waited it out. He died, and then they were able to do it. So it was one of those cases. Who knows? But yeah, Spawn reboot probably not happening anytime soon. But something that is happening sometime no. soon. Something that is happening sometime soon is a new Dracula film. See, with the new with the uh, success of The Invisible Man, it was announced that we are getting once again from Blumhouse a new Dracula film from director Karen Kuzma. That's not Kuzma. I'm sorry. I think Cal Kuzma. Karen Kusama, who's the director of uh, Jennifer's Body, uh, directed Eon Flux, which we're not going to hold against her. Uh, the Invitation and Nicole Kidman in Destroyer a few years back, which the last the last two of those I really dug. Those two really solid films. Uh, Invitation is actually on Netflix right now. Go check it out while you're on quarantine. Uh, so, Russell, are you familiar with this director's work, and are you looking forward to a new Dracula? Yeah, I mean, uh, Dracula is a type of you know franchise now where we see it. it's so beloved. I mean, obviously you had Bram Stoker's Dracula. Uh, what was that? Coppola's at ninety two. 
Yeah. I think 92. 90, 92. Then you, then you had Dracula 2000. I mean, it's it's a and then what? Uh, you've had a bunch of them. Dracula Dead and, Loving It. You know, they've been Vampire in Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah. Dracula Dead and Loving It. The what? Was that Leslie Nielsen, right? It was, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, he's a beloved character. I mean, I get it. So it's been a while since we what I think what uh, I'm trying to think. Dracula Untold was the last one I think maybe uh, we had. Jack, huh? Dracula Untold, yes. The the game begins and begin it did. Yes, not a, never saw that character. Not a again. good movie. Not a good film. Not a good film. But uh, yeah, no. I mean, I totally be down for it if it's done right. Um, you know, it's such a beloved you know property. It's like you know, and with the success of Invisible Man, I think that's really going to start pushing some of these these movies along. No, yeah, for sure. Now, uh, I also had to mention this is going to be a modern take on the Dracula story. So, Koho, uh, mm. are you excited for you? But he's a Dracula. Uh, I am excited to see Blumhouse do anything monster related after the Invisible Man. I think Blumhouse should keep making a Universal Monsters Universe on low budget stuff. Um, and that Dracula was one like last. I think last time I was here, we even kind of talked about how cool Dracula would be. Dracula, yeah, um, one of them. Yeah. So I, I, I think that's going to be a good movie. I'm excited for it. Uh, I'm holding my breath still for a uh, creature from the Black Lagoon to be the next announcement. Uh, I, 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 I want Wolfman. We, t- we, t- we talked about that last time. I want Wolfman. Uh, so yeah, oh, uh, I'm just trying to get Man of Steel too. You're still trying. <laughs> He's making, I'm trying to get Man of Steel man. too, man. He, he, that's it. Man. It's not gonna. It's not gonna it, happen. Huh? Get that other man is still Russell. It's not gonna happen. He's making his Witcher show. Yeah, it's too late. Well, it's been, but season two's been can't uh, at a halt at production a halt. because of the uh, <laughs> Corona with Lyme virus. So, nah. so, so <laughs> I don't know. So uh, that they, they gives him enough time to make Man of Steel two before he has to go back to be to be a Witcher. Secret shootings, guys. Snyder gonna do some secret shoots. Let's go. <laughs> Uh, next story we're talking about is uh, we had a, we had a few more. So first of which, the fact that uh, Loki has now another cast member in the form of Mr. Richard E. Grant. He's joining the cast along with uh, Tom Hiddleston, Gugumbatha Raw, Owen Wilson for the Loki production, which is also halted. But he's on board at least. Wow! <laughs> don't, wow. Don't, don't start. Don't start again. Uh, uh, what do you think of Richard? What do you think of the prospect of Richard E. Grant joining a show like Loki? Richard E. Grant's great. I love him in in every like thing that I've seen him in. He's a great character actor. Um, I think he's fine in Rise of Skywalker, but I also don't like Rise of Skywalker. So, um, but I think he I think he will make a cool addition to Loki, and I'm excited to see what he does. Yeah, I would tend to agree. I think he's the guy who. I mean, I'm not going to say he elevates everything he's in, but I think Rise of Skywalker doesn't... I, I don't think he really adds anything to Rise of Skywalker. It's cool to see him in there, though. Uh, but I do think he's a great actor. Academy Award-nominated actor. And, uh, Russell, I know you're a pretty big fan of Grant. You were actually a really big fan of his performance in Can You Ever Forgive Me? If you, Can You Ever Forgive Me, which is a fantastic film. Um, and I also loved the Guilty Pleasure uh, Warlock with Julian Sands from, like, 1991. I don't remember that. Uh, he's also he's the protagonist in the film. Was he? Check it out. It's uh, obviously Julius Sands is the um, is, is a warlock, is a bad guy or whatever. And like I, I <laughs> that, don't that, that'd be the log line. Julius Julius Sands is a warlock. <laughs> Julius Sands, he is. Hence the title <laughs> warlock. Uh, and Richard E. Grant is the uh, protagonist in the film. It's a good film from what I remember, but it's been a long time since I've uh, visited it. But uh, just remember Richard E. Grant's and I'm like, oh my god, it's a dude from uh, Warlock. 
Yeah. And but yeah, his can you ever forgive me? I mean, fantastic performance. Really, 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 uh, really, really great to see him back at it. So, yeah, I'm on board. And uh, it's always good to see. Wow. Owen Wilson. Wow. I guess. I, we, we can never talk about another Owen Wilson or anything on this show anymore. Just because it's purely because of you, Russell. I hope, I hope you're happy. Uh, <laughs> oh, we're going to. We've already reviewed a movie he was in, technically, Armageddon. Did we? Oh, we did review Armageddon. But, but, but not really. Technically, technically like, we did. Eh, I mean, he's really not the reason, obviously, for no, it. I know. But I know we'll get reason, something, but, I'm sure. Yeah, well, no, we'll, we'll get something. But I'll talk about the haunting now. But uh, Other Marvel news we got. I need is to revisit that. that. Yeah, well, you're going to regret it. But uh, the other piece of Marvel news yeah. we got is that something we kind of saw coming. We, got, we didn't know which way it was going. We got confirmation from, I believe, from Taika Waititi that uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy will appear in Thor 4. We're not sure what capacity, uh, but they will be in the movie. As we kind of we kind of assumed that either they were going to be in Thor... Well, okay, if, if there was going to be Thor 4, we didn't know it was going to happen, but we assumed that Thor was going to be in Guardians 3, but then Thor 4 got announced. We're like, oh, Guardians going to be in that. Turns out, yes. Don't know what capacity, it, whether it's going to be like supporting roles or just like a minor appearance at the beginning or end of the movie. Uh, but uh, Caleb, uh, with with this news, and we also got news that Groot is evolving, so we're probably getting we're probably getting closer and closer back to that Guardians One Groot, which I'm happy for because I would love to see that guy that appearance of that character come back again. Uh, so Caleb, we'll ask you what uh, are you excited for Guardians and Thor for, and what capacity would you want them to be in the movie? I am really I, I'm excited for Lord Love and Thunder Thor Love and Thunder. Uh, I want that movie to be really great. I love Taika Waititi. Uh, I love the prospect of Christian Bale as the villain. I love everyone involved in it. I'm worried that, as as I was worried with Ragnarok, that we're going to be trying to do too much in one movie. Putting the Guardians in there now, too, as well as Jane Foster, as well as Valkyrie. It feels like a lot being put in. And that makes me worried that maybe Christian Bale's villain is going to get really overshadowed by the Guardians. And I just really want Christian Bale to be a really great MCU villain. Um, I think the Guardians, if they show up, should be super small, super limited, almost like dropping Thor off and being like, hey, Thor, thanks for the adventure. We'll see. Uh, and then Guardians we'll of the Galaxy see, Volume 3 takes place we'll, before. We'll see, and you, it we'll see you at 4, that, son. But. We'll see you in, we'll see you at 4 o'clock. Don't talk to strangers. Bye. Basically, yeah. just be like, thanks, thanks, Thor. We'll see you. <laughs> thanks for the help on the thing that we're going to do in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, which happened three months ago. Sort of thing. <laughs> Uh, okay, so uh, now uh, follow-up question: uh, Do you want uh, thick Thor or fit Thor? Give me fat Thor all day. I hope he stays fat Thor. I was not. I was not going to use the term fat, but okay. Caleb went there. Fat Thor for days. Okay. okay. As a fellow thick boy, I will go ahead and call him <laughs> fat Thor. Okay, so I, I, so that, that's your word, I guess. I'm sorry. Uh, so I, I so I can't so I can't use it. Uh, Russell, do you want to? Uh, okay, first of all. I will say. Uh, so, same question: What capacity do you want Guardians in? In the same breath, do you, in turn, do you want Thor in Guardians three? And also, should Thor be kept thick or not? I mean, I don't care either way. He can go thick and then go back to normal. You know what I mean? How he was in the first film. Um, I need, I need, then, I need yeah, my, uh, totally I need my dose of, Hem- of Hemsworth abs. <laughs> <laughs> you could totally. Um, put the guardians in and actually have a supporting role in a type of film like that. I mean, look at how much they were doing with like captain America civil war and stuff like that. You can, you can make a movie two and a half hours, 
You know what I mean? And have Guardians playing in, into it. You know what I mean? Because, I mean, Thor Ragnarok was what? two? Was it two-something runtime? Uh, I'll, I'll check that right now. But keep going. Two and some change, perhaps. But, yeah, you could totally do it. I mean, uh, you kind of knew that they were going to go that direction just obviously by the you know, storyline and just the chemistry that Chris Hemsworth had with the Guardians. You knew that that was kind of the right thing to do. So I think they're going to have a bigger role than what, what, um, what other people think. I don't think it's going to overshadow Christian Bale as a villain, though. Um, I think they're going to give him equal time. I think Peggy Watiti just, you know, we all were on the fence about, oh, Thor Ragnarok is, and he, he really turned the whole entire franchise upside down. Like he made it, you know, so much better than, you know, the, the second film, uh, which I mean, wasn't really hard to do because the movie's awful. It's actually the best one in the franchise. Um, I just, I don't know. I, I think I, I trust his vision for it. I think that even if you can get the guardians as a supporting role, you can still make it like two hours and 25 minutes, two and a half hours. I think it still works. So just to uh, factor in your question, Thor Ragnarok is 210, which makes it the longest okay, of, the so Th- of the Thor so, films. Yeah, so you make, it, you make it 25 minutes extra and put the put the Guardians in. Yeah, you can absolutely do it. It's, it's doable. I do like the point you made about uh, about uh, Civil War, about how they, how they balance so many characters. And uh, I, yeah. I, I would also hate to... Okay, on one hand, I would hate to overshadow Christian Bale as the villain, but at the same time, if that leads to another like on-set breakdown... Which gave us one of the best Bond yeah. sequels I've ever heard in my life. Maybe uh-huh. it's maybe it's Terminator. not so bad. <laughs> like I, I can yeah. I, imagine I mean, I, I, imagine Christian Bale giving that same speech, but it's too it's too like the plush raccoon stand in. It's like I want you off the fucking set. What's your <laughs> oh good for you? And how was it? And like the, the, the raccoon just never answers back. You're talking to a stuffed animal. He, and he and he would, because he, because that's what he does. He, he, I, I absolutely believe it. Uh, but either way, yeah. Uh, like we said, Thor: Love and Thunder is set for a November twenty twenty one release date. And last story we're talking about because I said it for the last, but this is the one I'm most excited about. Uh, HBO announced that they are doing a Last of Us miniseries from Chernobyl creator Craig Mazin. Uh, I think this news is great. I love The Last of Us, one of my favorite video games of the past the past like five to ten years. I think it's a wonderful game. It's it's also like a very like story driven thing. So I, it's one I when I play, I'm like this very could well translate into a film or a miniseries. I think miniseries is the right way to go because it's such a dense story, such a long it's such it's such a long form story that you kind of that that time would go in its favor. And it is funny that uh, we got the news literally at the apocalypse apocalypse is breaking right now. So since I fairly positive with the answer from Russell. Uh, Caleb, have you played The Last of Us? That's I have I, indeed. That's what uh, I thought. And I am... I've lived it, so I'm not the one clamoring for a Last of Us miniseries because, you know, when you play the game, you go through it. I don't need to play the game again or watch the story again, but I will if they make it into a miniseries. It's an easier way to digest the game story, and it's a great story. Uh, I'm rooting for Hugh Jackman to be Joel. Uh, I will I will lobby for that casting all day, I mean, uh, but I, I'll I, watch it. I, I, no would, I would love it if Logan wasn't a thing. I feel like they'll like be too close. I feel like people I'll, like put Logan in people's heads too much, and it could not go so well. Yeah, I, I, w- I wouldn't hate it though, because like he was prior to prior to Logan, that was he was my top choice. But yeah, like, I, I think he'd be great. But uh, be great. who knows? I'll watch whatever they do with it. Uh, so uh, Russell, do you know anything about the Last of Us? And you would be correct in assuming this at the beginning that you uh, 
preluded to. Uh, no, I have no idea what the hell it is. I, 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 I know you haven't game. played the game. No. But I didn't, but I didn't, I didn't know if you didn't do anything. But so, Last of Us is basically like, no, they're in the future. About it. They're in the future. Mushrooms and ants have take have had a parasite that killed all humanity, so it makes these people like plant mushroom zombie things. And there's this coronavirus. It, yeah, coronavirus. Coronavirus breaks out, kills everybody. <laughs> and uh, okay, about this one guy Joel who finds this girl Ellie, who the virus okay. does, the virus doesn't affect her. So they got to get her across country to this one place so they can like figure out why and see if they can distribute a cure. And it's basically like a, a bit, basically like Walking Dead if they had an end goal. That's, that's the best way to describe it. And it's only two people. <laughs> And and it's not like ten years. And it's not like ten years. You get like six episodes. Yeah. So hearing that, yeah. does that okay. does that up your, yeah, up your in, intrigue? I mean, probably probably not. But uh, I mean, I would watch it so we could talk about it. But uh, yeah, not not really. Me- meaning I, that I don't meaning that I, you would record yeah. it on your DVR and then never and then never revisit it. That's what you're saying. That's what you would do. Yeah, and speaking of which, because Watchmen, I we, we moved, so the Watchmen's gone, and I don't oh. even have that on there now. So well, yeah. that's that's yeah. why that's why you should have watched it when it aired, Russell. This, that one's on you. It is on me. I still need to watch the Mandalorian. So I haven't seen that yet. Yep. I'm behind, man. But I did complete you. Like I said, I, com- I completed both seasons of you. Not watching, not watching two of the most talked about TV shows of the last year, but you, two seasons, done. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. Season three, twenty twenty one. All right, well, I got it. Uh, that's the end of our news section. We now come to the meat of the show: Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End. So yeah, like we said last week, and I think Bethany put it better than any of us could. Uh, after the giant cliffhanger ending to Pirates to Dead Man's t- Dead Man's Chest, uh, if we could have bought tickets to the next Pirates movie in the theater, like right then and there, so the movie was over, we all would have. Because you kept, you bring it you bring him back Barbosa that was like that was the ending I think like Co and I were just talking about it that was the Empire Strikes Back of pirate films where it ends like the hero lost the main hero is dead they're defeated and now we have like a reinvigoration going to the next adventure and this Dead Man's Chest made a bunch of money made a billion dollar which back then was a rarity as opposed to now where it's like every other week and yeah yeah uh, looking at this one like this. This actually had like a really great marketing campaign. Granted, didn't even try to hide the fact that Jack Sparrow was going to be in the movie. Although, granted, given the fact that he's the face of this franchise, I don't know why you would. So, fair enough. I'll give you a pass on that. And the trailer for this movie yeah. is actually like really good. If you go back and watch it, it's on the Extra Smash on Disney Plus. It gets like a gr- it's a great trailer, one of the best I've ever seen. And it tees you up for this like giant, big, epic conclusion that. We may or may not get. <laughs> uh, there's there's a lot to unpack with this film, so let's get into it. This is Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End. Like we said, this one was shot. This one was shot back to back with Dead Man's Chest. Although, in watching this movie, you there are a lot of scenes where you're just like, "No, you didn't," or you made that up on the spot. I mean, like like we said with the intro. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff. Like, I like, okay, so like with the intro of Dead Man's Chest, where you said like the style and tone chain was notable almost immediately. It's like they did that again with oh, these yeah. two because the opening of this film, shit, you thought the you thought the opening of the last film was like dark and depressing. This one opens with like a mass execution. <laughs> well, right, but yeah. like I that that's that's almost needed because where we Is left, it? 
this is yeah it is because like where we left off is is hopeful that i'll straight up say probably one of my favorite movie endings ever with the what's become of my ship one of the best endings of this uplifting like all right we're gonna go save the hero starting things off by setting the tone of like beckett controls the seas and that means there's no one to stop him sort of thing setting the stakes out immediately i think was perfect i mean okay look i will i will will grant you that is a fair assessment but at the same time, do we really need to see a little boy being hanged? <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, it's dark as hell, but I think that's that shows you we're in for a really serious movie. Yeah, uh, not yeah. Honestly, like it, it, it can't. It got the point where like they're hanging little boys. I'm just like, oh god, what is what is this franchise? And but this this boy is literally only here because he can sing the song of the pirates or whatever it's supposed to be. They sing their anthem, which is not "Yo Ho Yo Ho Pirates Life" for me, even though it sounds very similar. It is not the same song. And like they they go to what's his face. Can we can we just go ahead? Can we just make a note that this is the second of the three films that has singing opening for the for the film. That is true. They like they like singing. They like to open it with some singing. Did not open with singing in the second one. <laughs> it's funny. No. Looking at this, I know it's Pirates of the Caribbean, but this so, this so feels like Les Mis. Like, the, the, the color palette, yeah. the outfit. You take that back. <laughs> That's disgusting. You can't compare those movies at all. One is a competently made film, and the other is Les Mis. Oh, come, oh, come on. With the, come on. The, the, the costumes, the setting, the... The song, the singing. It, it definitely <laughs> feels like Les Mis for sure. I love, I yeah. love staring at Jackman's pores the entire movie. That's just my favorite kind of cinematography. It's Les Mis if they if they gave us the whole movie instead of one fifth. But yeah, uh, the the song has been sung. The little boy gets hanged, and that's where we get into like the real movie. What that do anything? We have no idea. But we have to get into the real movie now. Cutting to Singapore. Where we see one of our main characters, Elizabeth Swan, played once again by world-renowned stuntwoman Kira Knightley. She is row- she's rowing through this like lake town place. She comes into contact with uh, Barbosa and some of the men going. T- like it, it feels very watching this now. It's very Return of the Jedi. This, this whole opening is straight up Return of the Jedi. So yeah, we they're they're in Singapore. They see that they all got in one by one. We see that uh, I guess they're. Point team is Barbosa and Elizabeth. Uh, underground, you have Gibbs, the two bumbling pirates, Cotton, and uh, short guy Marty. Marty's his name, right? Marty is the fucking goat of the scene. <laughs> Just saying. We'll, we'll, we'll get to it in a second, but yeah. Uh, and uh, also, Tia Dom has got a, a cart where I guess she's selling birds or monkeys or whatever, and Jack and Jack's with him. The monkey, not the not the actual person. They uh, they go to this bathhouse where does it good? I was gonna say I was gonna say it doesn't matter. It doesn't. It doesn't. <laughs> what, that, what jacket is? <laughs> it doesn't. But anyway, so uh, they go in. I do, I do like a scene where Elizabeth has to move all her weapons, and she got like a, like a Sarah Connor arsenal, like all over herself. She pulls out a giant gun from I don't know where, but it tells me that Walter is definitely gonna have his job cut out in marriage life. Good, good luck, buddy. And in a really weird scene, like she has to like take her pants off, which is weird because they don't make Barbosa do the same thing. <laughs> like, why, why does he get to keep his pants? Sexist? Yeah, yeah sexist. So the Singapore characters are not good people. That is established 
from the jump in this movie that they're dealing with not nice group of pirates. Uh, but anyways, yeah, uh, they're there. There are these dudes who have like coral on their faces, which maybe raises a bunch of questions. Like, were they were they part of David Jones' crew, but they just escaped? I don't know. They raise a question that they're not going to bother answering. And then we meet the person there to see the pirate lord Sao Fang, played by Chow Yun Fat, who's clearly only here to pander to Chinese audiences. Tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> I mean, he's very good in the role. Is he's he? very good in what he's doing. I mean, sure, um, but Chow Fat's a great actor. It's not really also, much of a part. Also, I, I, I also want to take slight umbrage with the oh they were just they have particles and maybe they were escaped no it's because they work in a steam room and the accumulated steam of not so actually you, you cleaning grow, yourself but only cleaning him gives actual particles you grow mushrooms like that's what, that's yeah, what happens to you basically really so yeah that's uh, like a scientific thing actually i did not i did not know that good well oh, all right fine oh fine one one, one point movie thank you caleb boom I, i'm winning <laughs> so far so far we just we just started Give it, give it a minute. Uh, so yeah, they, so yeah, they're basically there because they need these charts that he has. They're not, na- they're navigational charts that are supposed to lead them, supposed to be able to lead them to David Jones's locker. Interestingly <laughs> enough, though, they also had Will Turner break in and try to steal them, which is kind of a weird thing. Like, if you're like, why go to the trouble of having a guy try to steal them? We're just gonna go and ask him anyways. Maybe try and ask. Let me try asking first. Then, if that doesn't work, then try and steal them. But, uh, but I, I digress. Fifty-fifty chance, you know. Like, you, 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 try and take them. That's the pirate's way. So. Yeah, but especially when, like, especially when he has an order that he apparently. But like, why not ask first? Especially when he has an order, like, a law. The, the song had been sung that he ha- a call that he has to answer. <laughs> Maybe well, ask me your first move. I think they sent Will before the song song was sung or the call, which gave them the chance to go get Will and the charts in one move. Okay, well, the, well, the, well, the movie didn't, the movie didn't tell us that, so you know what? I'm, we're not giving you that, we're not giving you that That's point. Fair. Okay. <laughs> uh, so the comics outside of it tell you that. <laughs> All right. Well, well, either way, not in the movie. Not so. a point movie, but neutral point. <laughs> okay, if I point point Caleb on that one. This is why we have you on this one. So, anyways, we find out that the reason they need to go back to Jack Sparrow is not because they wanted to get him back, which is what the last one we told us, but because that he is one. Oh, I can't even say this. He is one of the nine pirate lords. Yes, people, there are pirate lords, and Jack Sparrow, the dude who was supposed, we were told, was the joke of the pirate society, is one of those lords. Now, okay, Caleb, is telling me again. Go ahead, Russell. This is where I feel like this is they keep like writing stuff in to just make a movie. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, well, by the way, it's like they're like they're they're putting a story together without actually having like a concise like picture of what they want to say. So like dead, you know, dead man's chest ends. And they're like, oh, well, well we're gonna talk about it. Well, well, he's one of the nine lords. It's like, well, what the fuck? Like, where did this come from? Like, you know what I mean? Kind of how uh, you th- you said, Chance. It's like I feel like we just we all we just get all this stuff. You know what I mean? Without actually, you know, knowing it, you know? Right. Okay. So the reason why they introduced the Pirate Lords now is completely dependent on the last movie. The last movie gives you hints that they exist. They actually name drop a couple of these people, uh, but they don't give you a full on pirate. They actually, they actually name drop Gentleman Jocard. Did they? Earlier in the movie. Uh, They do. Uh, And so uh, when you look at this movie, it's paying off 
the tiny things from Dead Man's Chest, while also Beckett, the power he has now is why you need the pirate lords in general because it's gonna take it's like it's gonna take all the pirates. I'm, I'm not, I'm not because taking, now you have Beckett and Joe. I'm not taking t- so much umbrage with the fact that they're a pirate lord. I'm taking umbrage with the fact that apparently Bar- that apparently Jack Sparrow's one of them. Because right, it's be- yeah, I mean yeah, that's in, that's the thing. I'm kind of confused. The canon is his father was one, and it passes down familially or to a successor chosen by a pirate lord. So oh, he's a pirate so, lord because oh, so you, a pirate. You, you you can so you can inherit. Ah, but see this is, this is. Yeah, that's why Elizabeth Swan inherits it. But what I'm saying is, like the the people that are just watching this film, there's so much to unpack in these films that you don't know it. Like and like somebody like you who like obviously read the backstories and stuff like that. If you aren't versed in that, you don't know all this stuff that's going on. That you don't you don't understand what I'm saying? I kind of get it. A lot of it comes from multiple watches. Uh, it these are very dense movies that take time to unpack. I understand which is why I think millennium. at World's End at the release was like hard to take but like a lot of the like little drops here and there are sprinkled throughout the trilogy they were all sort of written with each other so like i i, I understand it but yeah. also it, it takes multiple views to get okay no so- i mean i appreciate the knowledge of it though I, I i do it's just it's one of those things where going into it just like with like you know fresh eyes you know not fresh eyes but i i, I had seen it but it's like all these things are just so much being thrown out at you at once Okay, that's but, fair. But, but but like I said, yeah. Uh, the reason that the reason they need to go back get back get back Jack Sparrow is because he has one of the quote nine pieces of eight, which I didn't which I didn't understand meant Spanish gold when I'm when I saw this in two thousand seven. But he has he has one of them. He failed to pass it on to the successor before he died. What do they need that for? The they'll only get into like the last hour of this film. But um, uh, right as. Barlow's explaining this. They see that one of the guys in the steam room, uh, his tattoo is fake. Yeah, it was like it was like painted on him, which makes me question. Yeah, you're gonna send a dude with a fake tattoo into a steam room. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, bad. Good bad luck. planning. Bad planning. Yeah, bad planning on the on the EIC's part, or on the uh, East India Trading Company's part. But yeah, uh, South Bank's bathhouse gets raided, and I do. I do okay. Visually, I do like the scene where they throw Barbosa and Will the swords through the floorboards. Grand makes me question how big those floorboards are, are if they can fit goddamn swords through them. But yeah, uh, his bathhouse gets raided, as well as the entire town basically gets sacked. And yeah, honestly, I will I will give the movie this. It's actually like a pretty good introductory action sequence. Like they managed to make sword play, gunfights, explosions. I do like the one where they line up. Uh, they line up in front of the, in front of that one building, and then Tia Dalma's like card explodes. <laughs> sends that sends that that one sword that gets thrown like fifty feet in the air. That guy's the MVP of this entire scene. Also MVP, uh, Beckett's homie. What's what's his name, Mister Mercer? Mister Mercer. That's it. Yeah, he shoots he shoots that one girl that Jack Sparrow had sex with in the face. Actually, both both of them. Now I think about it, <laughs> he, kills, he kills both of Jack's for Jack Sparrow's one one time things. He kills both, but they do it they do it subtly in the background to the point where like he shoots the first one, and then the other one just gives an angry face, and then you see later that he like kills her because she went to go she tried to go take revenge, and it's like this little quick little backstory of like like this little like secondary thing happening in the scene that I really appreciate. It's like almost a fun little side piece that's included for like five seconds of film, but it's. Fun. Fair enough. Uh, we see, Continuity. yeah. Uh, then uh, South Fang and, Orl- and uh, 
I almost said Orlando Bloom. Will Turner have a discussion with him. Like, what what a coincidence they find me the same day you show up. And we realize that Will Turner's motivations were a little a little confused because the whole thing is like everyone's like, oh, we need Jack Sparrow because we need a piece of eight. Oh no! It turns out Will Will Turner needs it because he needs the pearl to free his dad. Which does he? Because <laughs> it's the whole thing. Like he needs yeah. to. Does he? At the end of the last. Yeah. At the end of the last movie, it was established why everyone needed the heart of Davy Jones. But now that the heart of Davy Jones is off the table, it becomes what can I use as a bargaining chip next? And Will's willing to bargain the last piece. Je- Will's willing to bring Jack back and bargain him over to Davy Jones again to try and get his dad. Um, whereas Barbosa needs him for the brother in court, and Elizabeth needs to clear her conscience and guilt. And like everyone's motivations carry over. Everyone's and the rest of the crew is doing it because they miss Jack. But like they cover that when you get to get to actual world's end and meet him in the locker. And did no one come and save me just because they missed me? Uh, which is one of my favorite moments in the movie. But like everyone has their own motivations in this movie. All right, fair enough. Uh, we then we then cut to the, the the Dutchman jacking shit up while that while that admittedly pretty sweet Davy Jones theme plays in the background, the pipe organ. Uh, Love that theme. Uh, the homie, the MVP, Lord pipe Cutler. Pipe organ's Beckett. awesome. Pipe organ's great. Lo- the MVP, Lord Cutler Beckett, comes back to not do jack shit again. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll keep touching that immediately throughout the film. But yeah, uh, Mercer tells him about all this like pirate stuff going on. And also back is James Norrington, who's really kind of grasping straws for his arc because uh, he gets his command. He gets his command back. Me. Don't forget me. <laughs> I'm still here too. Goddammit. Don't forget. Don't forget me. I was big in the first movie. You won't well, see me very much anymore. Well, his whole arc in this movie comes from the fact that he got what he he won the chest and got the heart and got what he wanted. He got his recommission, the letters of Mark pardon, and he but thinks he that's happy? what he wanted was his life back. And now that he has it, he realizes it's it's not what it's ever going to be again. He, he's never going to be the same, and all the people that he cared about are on the other side. So that's his his internal struggle throughout this movie is uh, what's am I did I choose the right side of this fight? <laughs> what do you mean all? What do you mean all the now? people he cared about? You mean the one person he cared about? <laughs> well, Elizabeth is the only person he had a connection to, along with Weatherby Swan, and Weatherby gets fucking killed uh, off screen early in this movie. So it comes down to just, uh, and so he has to do the right thing. He couldn't save Weatherby, so he has to save Elizabeth, and that's what ends up costing him his life. Now at this and point, that's where he makes his final choice. Now at this point, you're probably thinking, much like the, much like the rest of the audience, why is it that Tia Dahmer was able to bring back Barbosa, but she couldn't do the same thing to Jack Sparrow? If you're wondering that, don't worry. The movie tells you. It's because... Yeah. Uh, Barbosa was only dead, whatever that means. Meanwhile, Jack Sparrow is in, was basically purgatory, David Jones' locker. Meanwhile, Barbosa got death, he got punishment. It's kind of he was an, taken, yeah. It's kind of an arbitrary thing, but, eh, fuck it, I'm, fuck it, I'm I mean, they, they, they set the rules of death, and they follow them going forward in the franchise, too. So, like, they, they set the rules here for death of, you can't always just bring someone back. Tia Dalma was able to do it because she's she's a god. Like, Calypso is a goddess, so she can do that. But uh, Jack is not dead. He He's, like, if you die by Davy Jones, Davy Jones owns your soul, and you go to the locker. Right. Um. And, and I think that was a good distinction and a good way to establish the rules of death going forward. So if you die, make sure Davy Jones is the one that killed you. <laughs> so, I mean... 
All the guys. I, not really. If you look at Jack, not really. Okay, well, yeah. All all the guys from the ship that Elizabeth was stowed away on that got torn up by the Kraken in that last movie. You can all come back somehow. He's got to figure. He's got to figure it out. <laughs> you could. You could do this. Uh, also, also noticing right now, the navigational charts are not really all that helpful. As far as, like as far as being maps, they're not very helpful. Even as far as like revealing information no. about the spirit world, they're not very helpful because like it's like over the edge, over again. Sunrise sets, flash agree. Doesn't give you any information other than that. Just gotta gotta pray, gotta hope and pray someone on the ship knows what these things mean. Or can it's figure just, out it's just so so vague. Or what? Or can figure out the puzzle. It's a sort of puzzle, but like you, they move the discs around, and like as a map, it leads you to places on Earth, it, but it, and like locations to get wherever you want. But it's the the coming back is the words on the thing. The uh, words on the map are the instructions to get back. It's not getting the land that's the problem. It's getting back. Just like it's just a says. great line delivery. Jeffrey Rush. I mean, Jeffrey Rush is still I great. He's still great in this film. Like, he cr- he he always crushes it in these movies. Like I think he was, I think he was honestly he's born to play a pirate for sure. Okay, well, well I mean, I don't, I don't he crushes remember. it in the he crushes it in three of these movies. I don't remember much of four or five. I I don't remember disliking him, but nevertheless. Uh, yeah, they keep they keep going. A guy pulls off his big toe, PG thirteen, and then we get another another what we're all waiting for another Cutler Beckett scene. Yes, as we see that yeah, this bad he's so, he's so menacing. Yeah, we see that this badass dude with a squid for a face is being with being talked down to by this tiny British guy. And we also see that uh, Pirate Drake and Josh are back. Which why haven't they been fired yet? They should be fired. Especially later in the movie. Why do you want to get rid of Scrum? We love these boys. We're uh, talking about the co- We love them. They're the comedic aspect of the film, though. I see it, though, because they're just, like, so stupid that they're funny. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just, they're, the, they're, the, they're the slapstick of it. I, I, I get why they keep them in there, though. What, 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 it's, the, it's the end of this trilogy. Why not bring everyone back that you can What, what one are, scene, at least? One more time. What are their, what are their names? Murtog and Mullen. Murtog and Mullen. Okay. Thank you. I, I, I always forget. I always forget their names. Uh, but yeah, we basically see that David Jones now. Be- David Jones now become Cutler Beckett's bitch because he has he has the keys to the chest that has his heart. And so he's just like, yeah, shit, fine. I'll do. I'll do what you tell me to. Uh, we also see that uh, Will and Elizabeth are continuing their silent treatment after God knows how long. It's been a couple months, maybe even a year since Jack since Jack <laughs> died. And yet you still haven't talked. You still, you still haven't explained jack shit. Okay, whatever, whatever. Uh, and then, admittedly, like there's when the shot that when they come across the water, it's all clear and still. That's that's a really nice shot. There's a fairly a well. Yeah, this is a very. There are a lot of shots that I move. We'll, we'll touch. We'll touch when we get there. Uh, but yeah, we see. And can we just say real fast? Like I, I, I told Chance this though. Can we just say that this is the best? This is the best Kira Knightley looks in the whole entire mo- in the franchise. I would agree. Yeah, I can like, agree with that. Uh, okay, because I think she, I mean like everything's on point. Her hair, I mean, just everything. She's she looks absolutely stunning in this film. Pirate, pirates live. Eh? That's all. That is all. Uh, so yeah, we'll we'll turn looking at the, to the horizon, and Chia Dalma for no reason turns around like like this thing comes out of nowhere because like she turns around and it's like for what's for what we want most, there's a cost must be paid, and like and like he's holding a thing like a locket that's very similar to one Davy Jones has. He's like, oh, what's going on here? But either way, this has nothing to do with anything going on. 
even even the way he runs Barbosa is not because of what she told him. It's because she said that they're going to like a waterfall. So why why was this well, even it's, here? It's the reason why she says it is because she notices that they're picking up speed before everyone. And if she told them now, they turn back and be like, nah, nah, Jack's not worth that. That means we're probably going to die. There's no guarantee that that's actually the thing. Which, fun fact, this waterfall has a name. It's called Farthest Gate. Thank you. I, I love that I know this shit, and I also hate it because it means nothing. <laughs> Thank you. Can I, can I just throw? Can I just throw? Can I just throw out something real quick? Yes. At the uh, the beginning of the uh, the voyage or whatever, Tia is with the crew, and they go to re- obviously rescue Jack. Can we just say that the guys would die of hypothermia in that situation? None of them were wearing anything heavy in this like cold weather. That is true. Cold inclement weather. True. Sure. Saying. Shit. Sure. Okay. One guy. One guy lost a toe. I, he lost a toe. But what I'm saying is it looks freezing. I mean, you can see their breath, so it's clearly really cold out. None of them have anything on that's remotely heavy or, like, warmth at all. So it's just something I noticed. I was just, like, just for something just to randomly talk about. I, I just made a note on it. Yeah, well. Fair. Yeah, fair. No, it's a fair assessment. But anyways, uh, they go – they they do wind up going over the waterfall. And this is where we get to the part of the movie that – well, first of all, we agree with, like, 15 seconds of silence – and just well, audio from the ride. Yeah, that was the best. I love that moment because it's I love whenever they're able to incorporate elements of the ride sort of naturally or like organically in a way. Like every time we go to Tortuga, we get a shot of the city, like a piece of the ride from the city. Like in two, there was the guy getting his head dunked in the fountain. And the first one it was the guy and the girl chasing each other on the balcony. But like to in- to include the dead men tell no tales on the waterfall is kind of genius just because like that's the part of the ride where you do hear it on a waterfall so I it's do, like it's it's kind of nice to remember that yeah yeah i i, I kind of like it it's like a fun little it's a fun little easter egg it's touch. a nice easter egg you also it's hear like the a... music from the ride and all sorts of stuff when yeah. you go down it, it's just it's just like uh I, I think i understand kind of what they're doing kind of like trying to tee us up for the fact that we're gonna see something we're about to see something weird and crazy so i'll give it a slight of about... pass we're about to enter into a weird world of fucking sand and insanity. So why not ease us into it by using things we recognize from the ride? Yeah, it's just uh... it's all it, it's almost like the beginning of that scene though when we see Jack though, like we'll talk about it. Just kind of like a fearing loathing Las Vegas type thing almost, do you know what I mean? Oh no, literally from the very first shot, it feels like it feels like Johnny Depp thought he was back yeah. on the set of Fear and Loving Las Vegas because Seriously, yeah. it, it is, dude. Yeah. This is where the movie just gets somehow just gets weirder. And that's weird considering even by this franchise's standard, this is this is, next scene is weird. Cause it opens up, Jack sees a peanut, he's about to eat it, and then he gets shot by another Jack Sparrow. And we see that everyone on the crew is Jack Sparrow, which feels like you know that there was some executive pitch like Okay, people love Jack Sparrow. What if we had two Jack Sparrows? What if everyone on the crew is Jack Sparrow? Well, I will I will defend the movie here at this point by saying I I understand 100% why people don't like Jack Sparrow in this movie and why they don't love this in particular or when he sees other versions of himself. But, like, I defend it, especially the choice of this movie, as to be a pretty solid visual representation of how the locker made him go even further into insanity. No, I, I, uh, I, I, to I a get point where we've never seen Jack that crazy before. Yeah, I know. I, 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 I get. I get why. I get why this scene is being done. It is to show how that Jack has basically gone insane. Like he's there's a chicken Jack. There's a Jack who's got the hots for a goat. <laughs> well, uh, to to quote Marty from Dead Man's Chest, he's gotten strange. 
Yeah. But how um how long has he been by himself here though? I I mean maybe a year. Yeah, yeah. At, so that's the, the other thing too year. we got to look at too. The the fact that there's no social interaction has drove him mad too. I mean I yeah. think he has to kind of create, you know, he has to create dialogue with other forms of himself as to, a way to keep kind of like sane. Use it in quotations. You know what I mean? No, I mean I I, I do. I do yeah. I do get I do get why this is done. I just think it's semi unnecessary, especially. Okay, oh, yeah, go ahead. It's off-putting because you're watching it. And it's it's not that it doesn't flow. It doesn't feel like consistent with how we've seen the Pirates franchise to this point. I think this is a really out of left field type scene. You know, I think that's I, kind of what I, you're probably thinking too. I understand that reception that people have of it. Um, yeah. I I I still think that it's fine. Like as a choice, it's not my favorite. But if you're going to visually represent insanity from Jack Sparrow on screen, I think this is okay. Uh, it's not it like sense, this. It's, it, it makes sense. It works in the context of the scene. Uh, I'm not. I'm not going to fault them for it. Uh, but I'm also not going to draw my sword and go fight too hard to defend it. But I think it's. Okay. <laughs> oh really? You're not going to go to bat for this scene? You're going to you're, you're going to save your at bat for other scenes in the movie? Oh, I'll save my at bat for others because I under because I do see the problems with it and why people don't like it. I don't think this is a perfect movie. Saved- I still love this. So. He's gonna save it for the crabs. Don't worry. <laughs> oh no! Yeah, oh yeah. We'll, we'll we'll get we'll get to it. But uh, okay. Actually, just, you know, one thing I will give this this scene is that it does give me one of my favorite Jack Sparrow lines, which is like it's, it's such a it's such a weird one to be one of my favorites. But like, it's like, gentlemen, I wash my hands of this weirdness. And then he gets off the boat, and we see that Pirate Purgatory is basically Anakin Skywalker's worst nightmare. It's all it's all <laughs> all sand and rocks. Like, oh, it makes sense for a sailor to be beached on land with your boat. That'd be that'd be purgatory. Yeah, we see that there's no wind, but except there clearly is because his hair is blowing. If you look, if you look at it, did anyone else notice that? No. I didn't. Yeah. I've never noticed that. If you if you look at his hair, it's clearly blowing in the wind. <laughs> it's, just, it's just an odd thing. But don't worry, it gets stranger. Because Jack picks up a rock. I know I know how this sounds, but he picks up a rock, throws it away, picks up like he turns around, the rock is back there. It's like it followed him, picks it up again, licks it, throws it away, and the rock is a crab. And not only that, there's like a million of these things. <laughs> and they just decided yeah. that well, you know what, we're gonna help this guy. I'll send you a question the efficiency of Pirate Purgatory because are there, is there really no one else here? Really? Yeah, no. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's true too. Yeah, I mean, if you're in the locker, Jones put you in the locker, and to our knowledge, the only person Jones has in his locker at that point is Jack, Jack Sparrow. If there no was one else. another one, couldn't you, couldn't you compartmentalize the locker? Like, you know what I mean? Like, like, keep like find another per- find another person. Make it a make it a foot yeah, lo- like, make it a foot fact, locker. I mean, well, well, no. What I'm saying is, if you if you had another person, like you had another pirate that he put into the locker or whatever, could he keep it separate from interacting? You know what I mean? Like, I, I think so. The locker, okay. Because the the way that Jack makes it seem when he sees the others is that they're a figment of his imagination, and I think okay. that's like, and I think that's because Jones makes the locker your worst nightmare, but also okay. is, is trying to isolate you to a point of insanity and that's your punishment for crossing Davy Jones. So I think if he put more than one person in the locker, he puts them far they enough away separated. from each other. Yeah. 
to the point that if they ever that found each sense. other, they just think they're hallucinations. Actually, speaking of, yeah, speaking of, speaking of uh, compartmentalizing, what if they came out out of shore and they were just happened to be in the wrong locker? <laughs> it's like, oh, we made it to the locker. <laughs> like, Shit. Oh wait, this is pirate. This is pirate Bill's locker. This is pirate Bill's part of the locker. We're in the wrong spot. Oh well, back to the ship. That that shit. <laughs> oh, but <laughs> be like, oh, yeah. So like like we said, uh, the 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 rock side to help Jack get the pearl to the edge to the edge of the locker. Uh, the rest of the crew resurfaces, and we get something that again these these first three movies nail every time they get it. It's Jack Sparrow's entrance, at least to other people, because oh, yeah. just the way. He's revealed with, with with the ship coming over the edge, and the music swelling. This it harkens back to Jack Sparrow's intro in the first Pirates movie, and yeah, it does have like a really like epic feel. You get a chill down your spine seeing it. It's a really, really well done sequence. One of the few things these first three movies do consistently well is introducing Jack. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, calling him Jack's a bit of a stretch, but you get, you get what I'm saying. Yeah, um, and and the ship rides in because of the crabs. And here's my only defense of the crabs in this movie. This is my only defense of the crabs in this movie. Yes. I think the reason why there are crabs in the locker is because Teodalma herself, when she was, like, when she disperses back into being a god, her body, we see, takes the forms of those crabs. And so Davy Jones being obviously intimate, with Tia Dama when she was a human and like falling in love with her, uh, knowing yeah. that what who she put is a, subconsciously put puts it in the locker. Yeah. So and he, put Jack Sparrow, of, like her in there. Right. And Jack Sparrow being, you know, buddies with Tia Dama probably like stumbled upon them. They probably sensed that he knew her or something or even just felt pity and they helped him. But like, I, I think the crabs subconsciously are there because of Tia Dama. Because of his effect, her effect on David Jones. It's, yeah, so. it, it's it's threats. I, I would, it's I would, making a theory. It's a but, stretch, but it makes sense. Yeah, it, if you have that big of an issue with the crabs, it's crab, a stretch, but it makes sense. I'm going to help you, but like that explanation is the one that I use for the crabs. It's most logical, though. It would make sense, though. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, like Caleb said earlier, they uh, Jack Sparrow talks to the crew. He thinks they're a hallucination. And <laughs> my favorite part of this is where. Actually, it's one of two. It's where he interacts with Gibbs, where he's like, my, my ship has been ruined. Why? Why is that? You're in the locker. I knew that. My other favorite one is Barbosa, where he's like, Haha, good good to see you again. Remember, Demerita, you shot me. No, I didn't. And he just keeps moving. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, So, yeah, they basically tell him, just like, hey, we need to get out of here. Song has been sung. Brethren Court's gathering. We, and we need you to come with us. And it's like, eh, well, you're kind of the ones who need me right now. So I'm in the position of power right now. And this is the line that always, this is the line that always drives me nuts. Because it's like, you, like, you need a crew. He's like, why should I stay with any of you? Four of you tried to kill me in, the, in four of you tried to kill me in the past. One of you succeeded. I can't, I want to see if you know the answer to this. Who is the fourth person who tried to kill him? Because I know the three are Barbosa, Will, and Barbosa. Elizabeth is the one that succeeded. Who's the fourth? Pintle and Rigetti. But that's part five. of the mutiny. That's five. I mean, he said four of you tried to kill me. One of you succeeded. I think the one that succeeded doesn't count in the four attempts. I think he's literally counting the four people who tried and then the one who succeeded. I'll give you. I'll give you. Uh, so you're saying you're saying Will Barbosa 
the the two, and then the one that killed was right. Was, well, actually, I don't think best. Will tried to kill him. No, he did. He did. I think it is. It, what do you what What are you counting as him being tried to when he broke kill in, him? when he broke into the to the blacksmith shop in the first movie? I don't think he. That's yeah, not trying to kill him. That's yeah. just a fight. What, if that's the why case, do you fight someone case, unless you? Then, why do you fight someone unless you're wanting to kill them? I, I don't think Will would have killed him. Will was just trying to stop him from like leaving. Like that's why he threw the sword in the door. He could have thrown it in his back. Like Will, I don't think Will counts as the one trying to kill him. I think it's Pinto, Brigetti, Elizabeth, and Barbosa by that count. All right. I'll give, I'll give, and then the one that, that succeeded was Elizabeth. Elizabeth. It's un, she's, okay. un, she's undoubtedly the one succeeded. It's just I never knew who the four were. But fine, I'll give, you, I'll give you I'll give you a half point for that one, Caleb. Not not a full point, but half a point. Okay, I'll take it. Uh, so <laughs> uh, we get. I will also really quickly say my favorite introduction in this movie is uh, Jack to Barbosa. You just see somebody goes Hector, and that's how you learn his first name is in the third movie. Uh, oh yeah. I I yeah. when I first saw it, I didn't I didn't think he was telling the truth. I'm just like wait, heck, like Hector is like that's his first name. <laughs> It's so, it's so weird. Yeah, it's so that. random. He so randomly puts it out that it's like, wait. Yeah, the next two scenes are a bunch of nonsense. We get a, we get uh, Jack and Barbosa dealing with who's captain. You get telescope a telescope measuring contest. Love that scene. And then uh, something that actually means something because it's actually looking back. This is one of only like a few scenes that Will and Elizabeth have together, where like it's basically like, confronts confronting her about how she left him for the Kraken. And it's just like, what you, you didn't tell me about it? Like it was my, it was my burden to bear. It's just, it's been amazing. Their chemistry isn't, isn't as good in this movie as in the first one or the second one. Yeah, I think the other thing though is you have to take into account that they've had a year worth a year. Will's had a year of believing that Elizabeth loved Jack, and that's why she's trying to save him. And whereas everyone else on the crew is just believing Jack died a hero and everyone believes that Jack died a hero. And this is the moment where he finds out she didn't love him. Uh, she killed him. And like she's and he's like, well, I could have like helped you with this on an emotional level, I guess. But yeah, I think that's what this scene is, that catharsis. So like they've had a year of that miscommunication. Plus, we got we got to keep that love, that love trial going somehow. Somehow. I mean, true. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, got to keep this Churning, man. Gotta keep it going. <laughs> Gotta capitalize on that before Twilight comes out and steals our thunder. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, once again, we have another scene going about how the, I guess the afterlife work in Jones, Jones' backstory specifically. We find out that he was, he was basically, like Caleb said, he was in a relationship with the goddess Calypso. She tasked him to basically be the one to ferry the people who die at sea to the afterlife. And then as a reward, once every 10 years, he can come ashore and they can be together. For how long? I have no idea. But <laughs> One day. It's one day. It's one day? One day. See, I, see, I was going to... Call that at work? I was going to talk about that because, like, at least as far as the movie tells us, that once every 10 years rule is so arbitrary because it never says how long you could, st- you could be on land for. No, it's, okay. it's you can go on land once yeah, every it's, 10 years, and that once means... One day, it's like a one twenty-four hour period. What? It's a shit that, deal. So I don't know why she did that to him because that's yeah. Shit. No, it, it, but we also seems... learned that Calypso is not a very good person. No, she she is she is not, and we'll get to that later in the movie. But 
yeah, uh, as and as a result, he kind of abandoned his duty, which is why like he's people floating in the water. You also see people on boats, which is odd. What's the distinction between those two? How do you, how do you know if you're going to be okay. in the boat and in the water? Okay, so the people on boats are the people who died that at sea that Davy Jones should be ferrying. Davy Jones should be there to take them to the next life, and it's to show you this is what it looks like when they don't do their job. They are just sailing aimlessly alone into the afterlife. They are not going to so that. So it's land like that almost a, a form of purgatory or what? No, no, no. So the locker is the land. That's the locker. They are not going there. Okay. They're going to be sailing into that mist, yeah. into the afterlife. It's a visual representation of people who die at sea and how they go to the afterlife. Is they ride in on the boats instead of being carried by the I Dutchman. I see. Okay. Um, and whereas okay. if you're carried by the Dutchman, you are in company. David Jones is supposed to be there to guide you and explain to you and make you feel safe as you go. Um, and it's and he doesn't. That's that's to show you he's neglected his duties, and that's why he's a squid fucking looking creature. Uh, and he and he leaves his post because of Calypso, because she fucking stabbed him in the back, and so that's why he abandons it. That's why he becomes Davy Jones, the sympathetic villain that we know, and that's the visual representation. That's why when the boats come in, you're like, okay, and Theodama explains it, and then you see Weatherby Swan, and you go, your heart drops if you understand that scene. This. You go, no, this 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 is a sad scene because when you're seeing him, you're like, oh shit, he's dead. Like he he's been killed. Like he, like, he, he was and, off like, screen Elizabeth to death. Really process what's yeah, but like Elizabeth's like kind of like like kind of like it's almost like that that scene in Armageddon. Like you know what I mean with, with the TV and Liv Tyler or not Liv Tyler and you know what I mean. It, it, it get the feels on it though, man. You do. You get the feels for sure on it. Especially, it's sad you, especially. Uh, when you realize that the last time they interacted was him telling her to go in Dead Man's chest. Yeah. Now, follow-up yeah. follow question. Uh, what's the difference between the people in the boats and the people in the water? What do you mean the people in the water? Remember, you mean remember, the, just the people... Remember the Pintel and the people floating underwater when they're sitting at the bow of the ship? Right. So, right, right, right. Uh, I... I don't think there's a difference. I think the ones on boats were the ones who died on a boat, and the ones in the water were the ones that drowned. <laughs> that's the difference. Uh, that's the distinction I've always made personally. That's like a pirate I mean, thing. That makes sense, though. I mean, it's yeah. yeah they never say it. In the movie. There's no canon explanation, but I think that's just an actual pirate lore thing. Is the people who are in the water, the people who drowned, um, and like that's why that's what makes it worse when you see Weatherby on a boat it means yeah. he was murdered at sea. On a boat, and you know exactly which one that is. He was <laughs> not only not him. only was he murdered, he was murdered on a boat. Monster. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, no, he was he was he was killed by Beckett on a boat, and that's cute, 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 lonely island. <laughs> I'm on a boat. Uh, I'm on a boat. <laughs> this was just a couple years before that came out, obviously, so we couldn't play that. Oh, yeah. right. could you play Jack Sparrow? Uh, I don't oh, think well. you did. I think uh, you did that either. Jack Sparrow is a tr uh, such a great song. Yeah, I love this. Michael Bolton's gold in that man. Uh, but anyways, uh, speaking of Weatherby Swan, yeah, we find out that he's on, he's on one of the boats because he died. Becca killed him. He was off screen to death. But he does reveal one important plot point, and that's that if you stab the heart of Davy Jones, yours has to take its place. Which is something that I don't know why I felt like I knew that before before I saw this movie. I, I, you did. Will that will that send Dead Man's Chest? That's a de that's a dead man's chest plot point. It's not ex it's not expressly stated that that's the rule, but it's implied that that's the rule by Jack Sparrow when he's like, "I can't let you do that, mate, because then who calls off his terrible beastie?" 
because he's because if you kill Davy Jones, the next person replaces him. Will would have to replace him. Will has the power of the Kraken, and if Will doesn't like Jack, Will can literally just kill Jack with the Kraken. Oh. It doesn't change it. That's why Jack wants the heart because Jack wants the Kraken to be called off because the Kraken is the pet of Davy Jones. The next person does not inherit the Kraken. Oh, and, speak, the Kraken and, and, and speaking of, and speaking of being off screen to death, the uh, the Kraken was also off screen to death by uh, Beckett ordered David Jones to kill him. Sure. Yeah. But that all makes that all makes sense with like this terrible Beckett taking control of the Pirates of the Sea thing. Like, like it works that Davy Jones is the basically law enforcement arm of Beckett when it comes to the pirate world, and it's the worst. Just seeing the pirate world destroyed by the scariest pirate who is one of the best out there because he's being controlled by Beckett. It's but kind of it, it's it like, hurts. It's like. So it's like Davy Jones is is Beckett's henchman, pretty much. Is like his, yeah, his, his which is, like the executor, executioner, right? And that's like what we were set up and promised from uh, Dead Man's yeah. Chest with the yeah. with the whoever controls the heart controls Davy Jones. I know that so Kraken controls the sea. I know, yeah. that, I know that Kraken thing seems like a side note in this review, but it's a side note in the film too. So we're keeping true. Uh, <laughs> we also see that they are they're at risk of being stuck in purgatory for I guess forever because. I don't know. They're at risk of being stuck. So they have to figure out these charts so they can get back to the mortal realm. And, uh, you know, to see that Jack is really struggling because part of him wants to be the one to kill Jones so he can sail the seas for eternity. Other part of him is like, oh, rum and salty wenches and, and no responsibility. Maybe I should keep living. But, yeah, this is when he figures out, this is when he figures out the whole trick to this thing. And the trick is you have to <laughs> you have to rock the boat to the point where it flips, and hopefully that's going to get you where you need to go. Question is, I'm sh- I wonder how the first person figured this out because <laughs> this isn't something you just like know how to do. This is something you just like figure out on accident. <laughs> like, I, was, I, I think that's the... a rule established by is the... it? That's a rule established by Jones. Is like Jones needed a... Jones found a way to make it impossible. And he never gave anyone the key to get out, except probably one person uh, when he first started the locker. Um, and I, I like to think of it. This is not canon. This is just me uh, speculating because I think it'd be hilarious. Would be that he tested it out by killing someone, putting them in the locker, and then telling them rock the boat and flip it, and, and you'll get out. <laughs> and just the guy just running on the boat, flipping it, and then testing it. Goes okay, cool, tested it. You're thank, good. thank God that well, like, but you you need multiple people for this to work, unless you're in like a dinghy. In which case, how are you gonna get a dinghy? I I mean, it could be a dinghy. <laughs> well, take a dinghy from one of the people floating <laughs> to death. Well, they're already dead. You're gonna jack their boat? That's a, that's a dick move. Terrible move, but hey, pirate, you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but uh, yeah, they. Uh, yeah, they managed to they managed to rock the ship. They lose two crew members, one being thrown over, one in a really brutal way, getting crushed by a cannon. Which <laughs> I'm just like, God damn, that was that was, that was unnecessary. Gruesome. Uh, that was gruesome, but it's it's again, Gore Verbinski directs all the action and deaths in these three movies really well. Like everything he makes is super visually interesting, and in every choice he makes is visually interesting in these three movies. And I have to applaud him that. Uh, even the choices we don't care for, and I will say we had like another like really cool shot where like you see the bla- the pearl underwater, and then the camera rotates, 
the point where like the sky is the bottom half and the water is the top half. It's it's actually like a really well composed shot. Cool. Very cool they, shot. Well, you realize they doubled their production, their budget on this one. They, they doubled it from the first one. This, this, this the was budget on this one's three hundred million. This was at the time the most expensive film ever made. Until, until four, because until, yeah. Rob Marshall said boats need to be out in the ocean for real. Yeah, un- until until the next one, but we'll, we'll get we'll get there next week. But yeah, this thing ends up working, and so uh, they're back in the real world. And then, because this movie's not long enough, we have a Mexican standoff of five people. Well, four and a half, because I'm, conv- I'm convinced Gibbs doesn't count because he's not even in the circle; he's like on the outside. <laughs> Well, he's he's just backing up Jack. He's just there to make sure Jack no, dies. He kills the who killed Jack. Right. But yeah. So uh, let's see. Let's let's see. Let's see who's pointing at who. So Barbosa's got one on Jack, and I think Will looking at this. Swan's yeah. got one on Barbosa and Jack. Jack's got one on Elizabeth and Will. Will's got one on Jack and Barbosa, and. You know, Gibbs gonna come out of this on top because he's, he's no one's got a gun on him except for Barbosa later in the fight. True, um, <laughs> but I, I I like this scene just because it 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 gives us a moment to like officially establish what everyone is after because now that we've got Jack, the gloves are off. Now right. that Jack's back, the problem's been solved. Will up front. I need the pearl. Barbosa's like. Well, I need Jack. Jack's like, well, I'm free to go do whatever I want, and I will kill you all to leave. We know he won't, because at the end of the day, Jack Sparrow's a good person, and that's what that conversation down undersea with the two people in his hair hints at, and I love it. That's why I love that scene. Um, but I, I love this sort of standoff to a point uh, of just a quick refresher of where everyone stands. It's it's a nice little refresher. Right. Because well, we're an hour into this movie already. No, we are. We are an hour in. and <laughs> I like the point where he's just like, He's like, I'm not going back to the locker, mate. Count on that. And he was totally, he totally would have shot Barbosa in the face. You got, and the reason he doesn't because all the powder's wet, so the gun, the guns don't work. But had his <laughs> powder been dry, Barbosa would have been dead again. Hmm? Say what? Get that Barbosa laugh of the <laughs> Yeah. And everyone just laughs at him. Yeah. Uh, we get, we get to an island. Somewhere, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what. What? Caleb okay, knows. Why do they go to the, the island they stop at? Uh, for supplies. Black Rock, Black Rock Beach. Um, and they they go there because it's the first sign of land. Ah. Uh, and and they're just they're basically stopping to get their bearings of like where are we? Right. Explore the island. Fair see enough. where we are. So. Okay. That's, okay. That, that's all I wanted. I'm not I'm not gonna like roast you for that or the movie. Just want to know why they stopped here. Yeah. Right. Uh, oh, actually, I do know why I stopped here. It's for a reveal of the Kraken, because they wanted to, they wanted to show us that that thing is fucking dead, and it's the first like full shot we get of it. And it's kind of chilling, honestly. It's terrifying to see that thing. Huge. Like, oh, so that movie, huge! That is terrifying. Last one to see it dead is even worse. It's ugh. Yeah. Oh, and keep keep in mind. Did anyone else know that they totally reused a shot from the second movie? Where the Pintel and Rigetti, like the boat going overboard with the wave. Yeah, they totally they reuse it. That's totally like that's totally the same shot from, from Dead Man's Chest. Uh, but they actually yeah. actually do get we actually do get like a really good conversation between Barbosa and Jack, two characters that we never really, never really seen them interact in this way because like, they're two actually having like a genuine heart to heart. Because Barbosa's just like you get like, what are you gonna do? You gonna run forever? <laughs> and Jack's like, 
Yeah, which I'm is a try. great sequence. You know, yeah, because these are two these are two great actors, and they're bringing a lot of gravitas, bringing a lot of pathos to these to these roles. And like honestly, these are through the first three films, these two guys are the MVPs of this franchise. And it is nice to see them bounce off each other in like a friendly way, not like in two where they're kind of at each other's throats the entire time. Uh, so, yeah, uh, going forward after that, we see a scene where, okay, it's a bit of a confusing one for me at least. I'll, I'll explain why in a second. They go to a scene where they see a dude with Sao Fang's like hand spike plunge through his head. Again, PG-13. <laughs> and like Pintel pulls him out and he's like, hey, I know him. He was in Singapore and I could not tell you where this guy was in this movie. Caleb, who is this guy? Uh, I don't know who this guy is. Okay, so even you don't know who he is. No. I don't know who he is, but it, I trust them when they're like, oh, he was in Singapore. But, like, the fact is, this is this is probably where Will told Southang to meet up, or, like, meet up, at, or Southang told Will to meet up here. Random, so. ra- random Asian dude. He was in Singapore. Yeah, I believe, I believe you. <laughs> sure. Well, I mean, he had the, I think he had the tattoo. Did he? Well, that's, yeah. I mean, maybe he did. That guy didn't have a shirt, so I can't tell. And when did Pintel see him? Uh, doesn't matter. But so uh, the, the, the Singapore Pirates double double cross everybody else. And Sao Feng shows up to kind of just take everyone back. Because like we said, uh, Will and Sao Feng kind of organize this double cross. Like this, this entire movie is a whole bunch of double crosses. Mostly, actually, actually I'm not going to say most regarding X. But yeah, like every, everyone's movie is double crossing everybody else. So. Yeah. Yeah, uh, like this is this is thing we talked about earlier, where Jack is just like every like you want this, you want this, you want this. Did anyone else? Did anyone else come to save me just because they miss me? And then it's like it's like Gibbs, Pinsel, Rigetti, Marty, and the monkey. It's like, see, I'm gonna stand over there with them. But oh, but if, 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 now at this point you're thinking probably, where's Cutler Beckett in all of this? Well, don't worry, because he's back in the he's back in the movie. <laughs> And he's about to have a scene with Jack Sparrow dun, set dun, up. Dun. What else? Another double another double Which, cross. That that double cross that double cross there is is kinda great. It's just Will made a deal with Sal Fang and then Mercer saw it, so Mercer made a deal with Sal Fang to double cross Will, who's double crossing Barbosa. It's the most pirate a pirate movie can get in terms of pirating. Uh, but uh I, I do love the scene that comes as a result between Jack and Beckett. So yeah, uh, Beckett's hell bent on finding this this place of pirate gathering, the shipwreck shipwreck cove. So he can basically just you know come in, take them all, <laughs> take them all out. Somebody blew their nose. <laughs> uh, oh, he's trying to come, trying to come in, take them all out. So yeah, this the deal, the term of this deal flip flop constantly, and it doesn't help that they're constantly editing in scenes on the other ship with Sal Fang and Mister Mercer and everyone else. So. Let me see if I can unpack this correctly. So Beckett and Jack organized for Jack to go to the Brethren Courts and go to the Shipwreck Cove so when that Beckett and his homies get there, he can tell them how to get in. Meanwhile, on the ship, uh, Mercer double-crosses Sao Fang, who double-crossed Will, and then Will and then Sao Fang and Barbosa make another deal to sell off Elizabeth Turner because D tells him they have Calypso, the sea goddess, and he just assumes okay. Elizabeth is the one. So you're 
you're off uh, a little bit. I am uh, off because this movie is very confusing. So he, at this point, I I understand like confusion is coming in and stuff. Uh, so at this point, uh, Beckett wants Jack because it's Jack, but he wants all the pirates. He wants to finish the pirates off for good. That's why he has Davy Jones cleaning up the seat. Um, and meanwhile, Sal Fang uh, is just trying to ensure the survival of Singapore. Uh, and if the East India Trading Company knows where he is, that's why he wants to cut a deal. Will needs the pearl because if he could trade Jack for Davy jo- to Davy Jones and the pearl in general to Beckett because the pearl is the biggest pirate ship left on the sea, he can get his dad Oof. freed probably. Um, and Salfang takes Elizabeth because he thinks Elizabeth is Calypso, not Tito. Okay. So that's, that's basically cleaning up where everything is. Now we're now we're all now we're all clear. We keep going, and so Sa Fang's you know like he's like you know what fuck this shit and starts and starts a giant fight on. He starts a giant fight on the top of the ship, and we get really the only Jack Sparrow escape in the entire film. It's when he hooks up. It's when he hooks up a cannon to a system of various ropes, and then shoots a cannon to get back onto the back onto the pearl. And I do like I do again. Another one who runs is just like. Beckett says, you're mad. And he just says, thank goodness I am, because this probably wouldn't work. He shoots, he shoots the cannon, fling, like, flings himself off to the thing, and then follow up with another great one-liner, which is not, and that was that, a single drop of rum. Then he, he takes, takes Will Turner, sends it to the brig, and then we cut to uh, Sao Fang with Elizabeth, finding out that, yes, he does, in fact, believe that she is, that she is the sea goddess Calypso. He tries to force himself on her, you're like, hey, you know what? If I was on that brother court, I wouldn't, I wouldn't imprison you. We're cool like that. <laughs> Tried to force himself on her, and then uh, right after that, it happens. He gets shot to fuck by a cannon. <laughs> Again, gru- gruesome fucking death because he gets hit by he gets hit by a cannonball. And you see like a giant like piece of wood sticking out of him, and this is the part where he basically gives her the mantle. He gives her his piece his piece of eight, and makes he- makes her captain of. Goho, does his ship have a name? That ship has a name. That is the Empress. The Empress. That makes sense. Ooh. Okay. Which yeah, I think this is one. Of, this is one of the bigger scenes of this yeah. movie. It, well, we should say it's attacked by the Flying Dutchman. One of the bigger like problem with this movie is the fact that you have you have Chow Yun Fat, one of the coolest, one of the biggest stars in Hong Kong action movies. I mean, Crouch Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Hard Boiled, and you don't even give him an action scene. Like you don't give him anything to do. Like yeah, he really didn't do much. Yeah, no. Yeah, like, they messy as him. Yeah, like like if you're gonna get Chow Yun Fat in your movie, give him a chance to throw it down. Let him do let him do some badass shit. And nope, nope, he gets to gets to be in here for like three scenes and then fucking die. How sad. And then to point Elizabeth Turner as captain. But what, <laughs> Russell? I mean. Put one on the counter. What a coincidence! The one leading this raid on the ship is is uh, James Norrington. I must, I must say, Miss Captain Davenport, but that's his actual name. Uh, James Norrington, who uh, he's like, I know your father went back to England. What? No, he didn't. He's like, no, you didn't. You fucking, you fucking moron. No, he's dead. Beckett killed him. And I, do, and I do love the, I love the look on his face when you're just like, did Lord Beckett tell you that? And he's just like. Oh my God! He did tell me that. <laughs> What's your point? <laughs> <laughs> no, like Norrington doesn't know. No, that's the that's the turning point. Uh, 
But um, I I do love this interaction where Swan's like, "Fuck you." My dad's not on a boat back to England. He's dead. And that's because of the side that you chose. And that interaction sort of is like the wake-up call. Because the only two people in this entire franchise that have ever been nice to Norrington were the Swans. And to know one of them is dead. And he's hurting the other one by sending her away to the Dutchman is a big wake-up call. And that's why I respect the hell out of Norrington's arc. I think it's an underrated arc. No, for sure. And... (laughs) I do, uh, yeah. Next scene, the the rest, the remaining crew of the Empress is taken ha- is taken captive. They send him over to they send him over to the the, the, the Dutchman, like and uh, Norrington's like send the crew to the brig. Captain gets my room. I'm sure you would let the captain get your room. And you're just like, you know what? I'm gonna stay with my crew. You mean the crew you just inherited like ten minutes ago? I mean, <laughs> right, but she she understands pirate etiquette. She's yeah. ca- she's crewed ships before, so I I think now that she's in a position where she is the captain, she understands the responsibility that comes with that. Yeah. So, and uh, speaking of coincidences, just so happens they get put in the one cell in which Bill and Bootstrap Bill <laughs> Turner just so happens to be. What a what a coincidence! And we see that. Uh, well, first of all, he's growing infinitely more coral. He's got more moths, more barnacles. More, uh, more muscles on his face. And I do, yeah. I do love this though. That he, they, the movie ends with him being thrown into the brig by Davy Jones. In the last one, the last time we saw him, he was put in the brig for letting Will Turner go, and they made him watch the Kraken destroy the ship that Will was on. And then he goes, "Now you can think about what you did in the brig," and they throw him in the brig. That they never took him out. He became part of the ship down there because it's been a year of being in the brig. And part of the crew, they, part of the, the ship. Finally absorbed him. Yeah, and yeah, he's gone. He's gone a little crazy, to, to say the least. Like he, uh, yeah, he's now mimicking the the person that Will meets in the brig in the last movie. That is true. Uh, so yeah, uh, he basically have the same conversation on repeat. Just like. Will's not going to save me because I need to be shipped forever. He's going to come save you because you're his late, you're his lady love, and uh, yeah, that's how things are going to go. <laughs> and then he's just like, "I know your son, William. He's coming for me. You'll see." It's like he, he feels like three different people in this scene. Props selling scars card. That dude can sell anything. He can sell being naked at Stonehenge at Thor too. <laughs> Uh, so, anyways, uh, we find out that uh, Will is well. In addition to that, Will escaped the brig because he guess he has more brains than his father. I don't know. Well, uh, yeah, <laughs> he escapes the brig and is signaling the. This one is the Endeavor. Back in ship in this one, or is the Dauntless? Uh, he is uh, signaling the Endeavor. The Endeavor, okay. The Dauntless, Endeavor, yeah. The Dauntless was in the was in the second one. I'm sorry, the first one. First one, right? Okay. So he's signaling the Dauntless on how to find them by tying dead bodies to barrels and <laughs> sending them overboard. And uh, Jack Sparrow finds this out and decides not to raise any alarms because he also has a deal with Beckett now. And uh, he says, he, he gives him his compass. He's like, go find Beckett yourself. Breathes in his face. <laughs> it's like, and it's, he doesn't push him overboard. He just breathes in his face and he just happens to fall. Uh, which I, 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 do li- I do like that touch. But... <laughs> Uh, the fact that he gives him his compass is a very problematic move, given what we find out in later movies. Again, Russell and I will touch on that when we get there. 
but anyways, yeah, so uh, we cut back to the to the Dutchman where Norrington is hatching to heart and decides to help the crew of the Empress escape. Oh, uh, but oh, but oh no, he did. As this is happening, uh, uh, Bill Turner sees this happening and decides to go down and you know, so like see see what's going on. And right before like Elizabeth goes across the ropes, <laughs> he's like, like a real it's a really weird scene because like our destinies all have been intertwined, just not together or so, or some some shit like that. And he our destinies are not intertwined anymore, and that's that's a heartbreaking line in the long run. No, of that, that that's is, that's not. That's not the line. It's 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 something else. Oh, yeah, it is. Hold on, it, hold it is on. The line. Hold on. I just watched it. I'm this looking. Is like my eighth favorite movie. I'm looking at this right now. Our destinies have been have been intertwined, Elizabeth, but never connected, but never joined. That that's the never connected. Yeah, that's the line. Yeah. So ha. But, but still, it, point, it is. Point I, I understand what Caleb said. It it, it it is still kind of heart heartbreaking because it like. Time never is on their side. It never seems that you know where they're at in life. Never seems to be together. You know, what I, mean? I, I get it. But yeah, but then, but then, he can, he but... Loves, like every time you see him and Elizabeth in a scene, you can see it in Jack Davenport's eyes that 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 he loves Elizabeth. Uh, and it's and it's hard that now he's he knows he's gonna die saving her, and helping her escape, and like and and knowing that this is he and he's making the choice right now to give up his life that he just tried just got back maybe a year ago by betraying them and now he's giving it up to save her which means he'll probably die and i think that's a great choice and this is the perfect way for norrington to go and i'm really really frustrated that when they did the fifth one and they showed the dutchman crew that he's not on it really frustrated but that's well, 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 they don't show the Dutchman crew in the fifth one. That's well, again, we'll I know, but like there was rumors that he was going to be, and I thought that would have been a it? nice touch to see like Norrington and Pintle and Rigetti and people who don't make it in the next two being members of the Dutchman crew with Will because Will should be ferrying souls. Well, spo- we'll spoilers, that. but we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll get that. Oh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, if you're so listening, if you're listening to this without having seen the movie, then like, what are you doing? I know, but <laughs> anyways, uh, uh, Kieran Knightley gets I mean, that, this, is, this is true. Keira Knightley gets makeout partner number three in this franchise as she goes across the ropes. Uh, Norris is confronted by uh, bootstrap Bill Turner, and who does not have does not have a sword because I don't because I guess he doesn't get I guess being part of the ship doesn't give you one. So he's t- and he was in the brig, man. He was in the brig, and I, he's <laughs> been in the brig for a year. I was about to say, how do you get out? Oh yeah, they, they left the door open. <laughs> That's all you had to do was lock the door, and you would you would be fine. Uh, but so yeah, uh, he gets stabbed by like a piece of wood. Elizabeth's reaction, though, I think is a little—I think it's a little unearned because like she's acting like she's seeing like wi- you literally just said you wouldn't forgive this guy, and now you're acting like you're seeing Will get stabbed to death. Okay, but that's also her ex-fiance. Like that is a relationship that you would be upset if you saw them die. That would be traumatic, regardless whether of whether or not you're in love or not. Fair enough. Okay, fair. I guess well, I guess one point movie, but and I'll give I'll give Norrington this. He does get to go with a with a funny moment because like he like David Jones comes up like do you fear do you fear death, and then he just stabs David Jones knowing he's not going to do anything. I'm like that, touches like that I like. Arkins back I to love why that. yeah Arkins back to why I like this franchise in the first place. And now and I, I don't even think it's supposed to be comedic. I think that's supposed to be the last sign of do you fear death, and he's like fuck you. 
I'm not afraid of you. Do your worst. But I think that's a great last moment for Jack, for uh, uh, Norrington. Norrington. Yeah, I know. I know. It's it's it's, it's a hard name. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, going back to uh, the Black Pearl, they reach the island of shipwreck because the, the place is not, it's island of shipwreck if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Shipwreck Cove on the island of shipwreck. Uh, it's shipwreck Cove on shipwreck island in the town of shipwreck. Yes. Okay. Thank you. That's what it is. And, uh, you know, this is where we get the bombshell reveal that, oh, my God, guys, Tia Dalma was the sea goddess Calypso the whole time. Did, it, did you see that coming? What? No. What? I mean, it's not like she, like, brought a dude back from the dead or anything. <laughs> or had, like, various conversations yeah. about Davy have- Jones. Not like she didn't have... The lockets of Davy Jones. Powers. Yeah. yeah. Wow. To- totally out of nowhere, guys. Well, it was like subtle things in I know. the last movie that leads you there. But yeah, no, it's not a not a shock when you find out. Uh, then we get a maybe the most odd thing I've seen Davy Jones in this movie. It's like where him and where Will Turner and Becker are having tea, and Davy Jones just comes in and joins him, and just like this is. I mean, I get it. It's just a weird thing to see a character like Davy Jones in. Oh, I love it. I love it. Just the the seeing Davy Jones so uncomfortable because he's forced to be in the situation, like where he's like still talking to Will, like like you piece of shit that double crossed me. But Beckett's here, and Beckett's like being like, be civilized. It's like being in a room with your mom and your biggest enemy. And I freaking love it. I love how awkward he is in the scene because it's perfect. It's perfectly directed. Yeah, and uh, am I the only one who liked Davy Jones more in the second one than I did this movie? <laughs> No, uh, I think David Jones is more menacing in the in the Dead Man's Chest because that's what he's designed to be. But I think in uh, in this one, he doesn't really have a choice. Like it's it's the character that he has to be now is he he's under someone else's control. Fair enough. It was also- he's more of a co he's more of a co captain. I like how he was in the in the second one. I agree. For sure. It's more fun. I, I agree. Bad guy. Yeah, it's also revealed that he was the one who gave the Brethren Court the information they needed to bind Calypso to her mortal bonds. Because he, he was part of the third Brethren Court. He's part of the third? So, he was part of the third, because we're on the fourth. This is the fourth Brethren Court that we're seeing, uh, but he was a member of the third Brethren Court with Jack Sparrow's dad. But, wait, but, he, but, but he said the first court was the one that imprisoned them. So was the... Was Maybe his... the first. I, you're right. I think it was the first, but he was also a part of like the second and third. So the Brethren Corps had a fish man on, on the... I think. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm misremembering, but I think... I know he's part of the first. Now that you say that. I'm going to double-check myself. I, th- I could have so sworn he's part of the third. So the Brethren Court are pretty much like the skulls of the pirate world, or what? Basically. They are basically <laughs> the skulls. Uh, so, anyways, yeah. Uh, he's like, hey, uh, we're, they're going to they're gonna free Calypso. They're going to free Calypso. He's like, uh, no, they can't do that. We agreed. And that's what we'll put together. Just like, oh my god, you love that. You love this woman. And it's like, yeah, you you can see that. I will say they do do a good job of keeping some of that sympathy for David Jones' character, even like adding it because you don't really feel a lot of sympathy for him in the first one. But they do add a lot of it because this is a dude who well, he went through, he went through a rough time, <laughs> and uh, this is the result. So uh, kids, take take your breakups well, or she's gonna become a squid monster with a with a lobster claw. Yeah, nobody wants that. 
No, okay. I just double checked myself. You are correct. First brother in court. The second brother in court was where the code was created. The third brother in court is where the only known member we know is South Fang's father and Jack Sparrow's father. And then the fourth brother in court is the one that we are seeing convened. Yeah, because uh, 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 Jack, uh, I mean, I mean, uh, it doesn't seem like you want a fish person on your brethren court, but that's just me. I, I, I am very racist towards fish people, so that's, that's, where, that's where I'm at with this franchise. Uh, so we get to Shipwreck Co., which admittedly is a really nice design because it's a bunch of ships piled together, and the reveal of it is, is very well done. You know, and you never see how you, get in, how you get in this place, so you understand why someone like Beck would have a tough time with it. And, yeah, we meet the quote-unquote Brethren Court. We got uh, Amon, Captain Cherval, who, when I was younger, I just thought was the actor who played Elizabeth's dad in makeup. Uh, Mistress ah! Ch- <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Mist- Mistress Ching, Gentleman Jacquard, Sisumbaji. Who else is Who else is in this one? All right. So I've got, I, I, I prepared for this specifically. This is my only homework that okay. I did specifically – for help. Uh, Amand is the pirate lord of the Black Sea, the scourge of the Barbary Coast, and captain of the Seraph. Uh, Capitan Cheval is the pirate lord of the Mediterranean Sea, also known as the penniless Frenchman and captain of the Fancy. Uh, Sri Sambaji Angira is the pirate lord of the Indian Ocean, terror of the Arabian Sea, and captain of the Otter. Mistress Ching is the pirate lord of the Pacific Ocean and captains an entire armada, including Ching's flagship, the Ningpo, the Han Pinyin, and the Kin Tai Fong. Uh, Gentleman Jokard is the pirate lord of the Atlantic Ocean, captain of the Ranger, and a one-time captain of the Black Pearl. Um, Elizabeth Swan is the pirate king and replaces uh, South Angus, the pirate lord of the South China Sea and captain of the Empress. Hector Barbosa is technically the pirate lord of the Caspian Sea, one-time captain of the Black Pearl and the Cobra. Uh, Eduardo Villanueva, pirate lord of the Adriatic Sea, captain of the Centurion. Jack Sparrow, Pirate Lord of the Caribbean Sea, Captain of the Black Pearl. And his dad is Edward Teague, Pirate Lord of Madagascar, Keeper of the Code, and Captain of the Troubadour. So you, so you just got, you just and, got all, the base, all the baseball card stats on this one. Yeah, oh, and, I got, and, I got and, all shit unlocked. Thank you. And current member of the Rolling Stones. And current member of the Rolling Stones. Uh, and Jesus. current member of the Rolling Stones. <laughs> okay, all right. I got you. Got you. But anyways, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I will say they do, they do like, build a lot of intrigue with these characters just based on the looks alone. And their and their yeah. actions, like I'm like, yeah, I do want to find out more about these guys, but not in this not in this film because there's already too much going on. And we see that the pieces yeah. of eight are indeed not pieces of eight, but pieces of whatever the whatever the fuck they have. <laughs> yeah, like one dude's I like, I love a, that line from Gibbs, though. I love that line. Pocket lint, is it pocket lint? <laughs> pocket lint. He goes, uh, he was. <laughs> it's all he I was, got. He was like, oh, the first brother of court was supposed to assemble pieces of eight. Uh, nine pieces broke. of eight, but uh. We d- they didn't have pieces of eight, and Pinto's like, then why not rename it? It's like, oh, to what? Pieces of whatever po- whatever we had in our pockets at the time? Oh, sure, very piratey. <laughs> yeah, because like, s- like we see that the pieces of eight, is like, it's like a card, it's uh, like a shot glass, a, like spectacles, some like, it's just like a piece Brigetti's of metal. glass eye is dope. Well, it's, it's, wo- it's wood, it's not glass, because, I mean, if it was glass, it would have well, broke, yeah, broken by now. But, yeah, the fact that I mean, look, I get keeping your piece safe, but is Rigetti really the like? If this piece of eight is so important, sh- is, is Rigetti really the guy you want to give it to? <laughs> want to give him an eye patch? Eh, I mean, I I love it. I like that touch. It was fun. Fair enough. Fun. Uh, but yeah, we see like like our I'm uh, we're gonna wait for South Fang. South Fang is dead. No way, well, you heard that, but cool. Thanks for the information. 
news travels fast. News travels fast. Yeah, news does travel fast. Actually, no, it doesn't travel fast. Like, it travels with Elizabeth, like, being right there, shouting up to the room. Uh, so, yeah, we find out that they are uh, they are captain, or that she is captain, and that they are trying to organize so they can release, Cali- race, release Calypso. And so, when the fight comes, hopefully, she'll be on their side. Now, Caleb, do I have that right? Uh, yes, you do. Okay, cool. Uh, and that's something that's very frowned upon within within this court. Uh, like like they well no, not frowned upon. It's kind of like uh, everyone has their own side on it. Like so, like the South Fang's homie, I guess his first mate would have been on Barbosa's side. Uh, Jacquard is against Barbosa. Cherval and Villanueva are on opposing sides. Then it fights it to like, a big fight breaks out. Keep in mind, this scene goes on for like. 10 to 12 minutes. <laughs> it, it only advances like, with, it's only had like two or three minutes of plot advancement. Yeah. Yeah. And meanwhile, while I mean, it's, it's world like, building in it, but it, it also gives you a lot of like development on like, what, what do we do? It's like the rallying speech. It's the, right. it's the, we stand, we fight and it's Jack Sparrow's, we fight to run away. Mm-hmm. I love that line and I love that I, I love that concept. And meanwhile all this is going on, we have a scene between Calypso and Davy Jones or Tiadama and Davy Jones, it doesn't matter, the same person. And one thing about this scene we realize that yeah, uh the reason he turned evil is because he did he did his thing for 10 years, showed up to wherever they're supposed to meet and she didn't show up. Why? Because there's literally no other Just reason. Just because. Because. Because she's, because, she's because. his Jenny. She's a villain, guys. <laughs> That's true. But she, yeah, I like how they were like the most hated people in, in movies. It was like Jenny, and then there was Grandpa Joe from uh, Oh, that, oh the, the, that, that, that con artist, Grandpa Joe? Fuck him. Yeah, because he, he stayed in bed, and all of a sudden, oh, I can get up now. Oh, we're about to we're about to win a million dollars with candy. Woohoo! Wait, you can walk. <laughs> Where'd this come from? <laughs> uh, but yeah, Jenny, Jenny's uh, Jenny's a little shithead. Yeah. Anyways, uh, and I'm the, the chemistry between I guess uh, Naomi Harris and Bill Knight. <laughs> weirdly enough, is surprisingly not as bad as it sounds on paper. Because they they do yeah. act like people who have had Bill a history Nike together. Bill is acting the fuck out of this scene, though. I love oh, it. Oh, he is. I he's love this so- scene, though, where you where you see him like he's like human form there for a second. Yeah, it, it yeah it is really interesting to get a sense of what this guy looked like before, but before he became all as they say tentacly. Tentacly. Uh, I believe that is the scientific term. Yeah, that, that is. Tentacly, maybe. Yeah, so then he turns back to Squid Monster, but oh no, his claw arm is still in there, and he can't get it out. But then he's like, you know what? Screw it. And he just like kitty pries himself through the door. Which, if you can do that, why did you even try to pull your claw? Why did you even try to pull your claw through the hole? And it doesn't matter. It's because his body can do that. The claw can't. The wait, the claw can't do that. Yeah, like okay. So what happened was like he was human. He got his hand through, and now it's the claw. So he. Couldn't pull it through, so he went forward because so, oh, the rest so, of his body. So he can't do that. So he can't do it with like specific parts of his body. It has to be the whole. It's all or nothing. Well, I would I would assume that the lobster hand is not the thing that moves through things. Like he can move it with the rest of his body, but like it was just 
trapped in that one spot, I guess. I don't know. We also flimsy yeah. defense. I don't have a strong defense for it. So 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 point us. So point us. Screw you, Caleb. Point point you. Point you. <laughs> <laughs> so all of a sudden he becomes Terminator. He can go through anything. That's true. Well, no, he's always been able to do that. No, yeah, no, he, yeah, he, he's been able to do that since for for a while now. But uh, anyways, so uh, yeah, uh, while this is going on, we also find out that no matter what happens, whether they release her or not, she's gonna be on David Jones' side, which basically means this whole movie is for nothing now. But no, forget about forget about that. We go back to pirate to pirate politics, as we uh, Jacks. Yeah, this is the whole thing where Jack Sparrow. We got to fight to run away. Turns out though, he can't. He can't make that call because only the pirate king can call for can call for a war. Yeah, for pirates, these guys seem to have a lot of rules. It's like fight. It's like Fight Club. Well, that's the code. We're finally learning what the code is from the first movie. They're delving into the code. It's 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 uh, almost like trying to assemble something from IKEA. <laughs> it's it's impossible. It's impossible. Their guidelines. Seriously. Or it's, it it seems yeah. easy, but yeah. then it becomes like ungodly complicated. Yeah. But it's like if this like parlay that if this then now you have to have somebody to vote on who decides to go to war. It's like oh that's it's it's super complex sometimes. Well, it's, it's because the, it's because it's specifically these group of people because. Yeah. It's Jack Sparrow and Hector Barbosa's fight. They all do not yeah. need to get involved, but they want yeah. all of them to help because it's going to take all of them to win. Yeah, because uh, you need all the pirates to fight the entire Royal Navy that's coming to destroy them, and that's why they put them together but anyways, like that. And that's that's why they are pushing for the vote when they get because talk- it takes it takes a vote to get everyone involved. When they get to talking about the code, they bring on Captain Teague. Who keeper of the code? Keeper of keeper of the code, and like, but Jack like Jack Sparrow has like a very like visceral reaction to this, and he's and yeah he come he comes out, and yeah it's Keith Richards, who as is very well known he is the guy who Jack who uh, Johnny Depp very much based performance off of because he saw pirates as you know yeah. uh, old school rock stars, so. So, fun fact about Jack and his dad's relationship. It's a very strenuous one. Uh, they started out together on the first ship that Jack cap- Jack's dad captain that I don't remember the name of at the moment. Um, and then Jack's dad came up into the possession of a ship called the Wicked Wench. Uh, and his dad was captaining that for a time, and then he abandoned Jack and said, have fun, captain the ship, and left, and he never saw his dad again. Uh, so Jack, <laughs> that was when Jack was, like, 13. So Jack, at 13, since 13, has been a captain of a ship alone, and that, and he decided to rename the Wicked Wench the Black Pearl. Did That's get, why the Black Pearl means so much. Do you get that from the young Jack Sparrow books? You did, didn't you? Uh, no, that's an actual, like, they've explored that in, like, extended universe canon and comics and stuff like that. Uh, there is no Jack Sparrow books. No, actually, no there is, there is actually. Issues. There is actually. They've done issues of the books that are. I've read, the, I've read them. Well, no, because well, there was a young Jack Sparrow book because I, cause I owned it. <laughs> so, but, well, there's like, there's, like, a one-off thing. But, but anyways, they say, like, they're going to bring out the pirate code. And, like, hearing this, you expect, like, oh, it's going to be, like a, like, a little, like, a scroll, if that. No, this is, like, a Bible. It's just like, god damn! Like to be a pirate, you have to be a pirate. You have to learn all this. Like, no, but if you're a member of the Brethren Court, then it's something to know. 
but yeah, this this pirate this pirate codex is huge. So big you need two old men to carry it. And it turns out that remember that dog from the first movie? It was a nice little gag that he had the keys to the cell. Turns out he's also carrying the most important keys on the planet. He's carrying the keys to the pirate to the pirate codex. I don't think the key was on that keychain. That like, I don't think that is they gave him the key after because there is an actual like one shot comic of Teague going and getting his dog that is his dog from the Pelagostos, uh, because of the post credit scene from two. And it was, uh, and it's it's a it's a fine comic, but like he gives him the key at the end of that. Yeah. So, anyways, they see that. Uh, yeah. Uh, Barbosa says, "Indeed, right. You do have to have a pirate king to declare war, and there's not been a king since the first court because every pirate only votes for himself." So they call. So, of course, Jacksboro calls for a vote. Like I said, everyone, <laughs> everyone uh, votes for themselves, except for Jack Sparrow, who votes for Elizabeth Swan who is maybe the most underqualified person on this person to be. That is my favorite thing, though, is just everyone going on. Hector Barbosa, Elizabeth Swan, Elizabeth Swan. This one. Huh? It's just the funniest reaction shot of everyone just being like, no! But, like, in, at the end of the day, I think Elizabeth Swan is the right choice. Is she? She's the most, like, more... I think she is. Like, she's, she's been, been around a... pirates now at this point for, what, three years? She's been, But she's been like, a captain for, like, a day. <laughs> Well, she's crew to ship. Now she's captain to ship. It's not necessarily about the qualities or like I don't think it's necessarily about the like experience of being a captain. It's the qualities right, that so, she has as a leader. All right. So by that logic, if a prostitute sleeps with a football quarterback, can she quarterback the football team? That's not what I'm saying, though. That, that's no, not I the, know. That's I'm not, just that's saying the correlation. The correlation would be like if the prostitute was also an assistant what? football she... coach on the team. That's, that's, that's but if she hung out with with the football player like often, does that make her qualified? I don't know. I mean, I just, she, I really, think... she crewed the Black Pearl for two movies. Yeah, which is I mean, sequel. well, move, move, maybe maybe half a movie. I'll give you half a movie, not a full film. <laughs> she was not on the crew for one whole film. Fair, but I think she's been around and like she's been with them this entire movie. And at this point, we're like two hours in, so. She's been with the crew. She knows how pirating works, but it's not necessarily about the skills that you need as a pirate to know what to pirate. It's that she knows, like, as a person, what the right thing to do is and is able to rally them in that big moment with that speech. That's all she really needs. There's no, like, they, Jack knows Elizabeth will be the one to approve this war. Right. That's why he votes for her, because they need to approve the war. I will. I will. Chance just wants an excuse to shit on this movie, though. (laughs) I will say. I mean, I mean, seriously. I mean, but yeah. But I will say, she is not the most underqualified person to get a job in this movie. But we'll get we'll get to that in a second. So yeah, uh, war war is declared. War war is declared. They all go line up, but they see that the East India Trading Company has an armada. And uh, yeah, uh, so they call for a parlay. There just so happens to be this sandbar in the middle of the ocean, and this is this is the thing that I always just found crazy. The reef, huh? It's like a reef, like it's a it's a sandbar on a reef, and they they have those throughout the ocean. No, I, I like, know. That's why, like, no, I know. Like that's why, like when they when they hit the crack and they're like, I think we hit a reef. I hit, I think we hit the reef. Yeah, the the, the black the black guy's only line in that movie. <laughs> just ra- random black guy's only line. Sure. 
so they so they send uh, Barbosa, Swan, and Sparrow to confront Turner, Turner, uh, Beckett, and Davy Jones. Well, let me just say, it's just Stone Cold cheating. He is just straight up cheating. <laughs> <laughs> this this curse he has because th- th- you're thinking like he's on land how is that possible he he's standing in a bucket <laughs> he has like an elaborate system of buckets he land he lined up just for just to have this meeting it's like you can have me well, good think about it there beckett and davy jones are not going to meet on a pirate ship and they're not going to meet on a beckett ship so davy jones is like I gotta be there, so I guess I gotta stand in the bucket. <laughs> which does does lend something else later in the movie, which we'll, we'll get to. I just, I just find it funny that David Jones just straight up he is just straight up cheating this curse. <laughs> it's not like it's not like a thing like horror against <laughs> movie. He, he's just he is just cheating. So yeah, yeah. We, we find out that uh, you know, this is where all the double crosses get revealed. We find out that this uh, uh, like Jack promised to get the pirates out of Shipwreck Cove, and then. Uh, Swan's like, you know what? In all my infinite wisdom, I'm gonna give you Jack, and you're, we're gonna take Will back with us. I'll, but actually, I take that back because I believe wasn't this part of was this part of the plan? I think it was, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, at the end of, at the end of the day, it's Jack trying to get onto the Dutchman because when Jack gets on the Dutchman, he's closer to the heart. Oh. You know, you know. Oh, you know what? And it's, it's funny because like he's like, I'm gonna go, and he just says, "As as you wish, my liege." And I always thought about both of said liar when it like slash him in the face and then cut off, cut his piece of head off. No, he says, he says blackguard. I'm just like, oh. what the? F-? I'm like, how does <laughs> how does how does that translation work? I think he's saying blackguard because that's like a blackguard is a pirate term. Is it? Bl- yeah, but well, bl- well, blackguard, but that's black. That's how that's how it's spelled. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I see. I didn't know that. I, I always thought he was saying liar, and then for, for, for whatever oh, reason, because yeah. because doesn't it sound like he's saying that. Kinda. I hear what you're saying. But anyways, uh, so yeah, uh, they 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 go off to the to their respective ships. Uh, Sparrows on the Dutchman. He once again is hallucinating multiple Jack Sparrows, including one that's stuck to the ship. It looks a brain. Super weird. Never mind. Does doesn't play into much. Moving on, we go back to the Black Pearl where they are about to release Calypso from her mortal bonds. Uh, Will seems to be the only one who knows this isn't a good idea, but uh, what does what does he know? He's a he's a, tra- he's a traitorous cod piece. <laughs> so they gather up all the pieces of eight, and he's just like, "Look, we got to burn this and say the words Calypso, at least from your mortal bonds, as you would to a lover." He proceeds to not do that. Which means Rigetti is the one that comes in to save the day, and it ends up working because. And this is this is where for a lot of people when we jump to the shark, and I can see why. She breathes in the smoke from the piece from the nine from the nine pieces of eight, and I'm not sure. Okay, let me answer why he does this because he's like, who was the one that imprisoned you? Who was the one that told him how?" And he and she's like, "Name him like David Jones." I'm not sure if that was supposed to be like. Remember, remember who betrayed you, so you know you could take pity on us. Or he just wants to hear a question he already knows the answer to. Caleb, any insight you got? He's he's trying to piss her off in the direction of Davy Jones, right? Because okay, what yeah, happens is she is the power of the sea, 
by unleashing it, you want the power of the sea on your side to beat Davy Jones and the entire Royal Navy. That's what he's trying to do, and right. it ends up working. S- s- kind of, sort of. I mean, definitely. Does Look it? How it turned out. Well, well, we'll get we'll get to that in a second. But uh, they, uh, she starts to go to, to the Fifty Who Woman because we saw that movie, and uh, the for a second the ropes grow too. But yeah. <laughs> So, the ropes are just in the place where we keep that PG-13 rating and not sink the ship. So he's like, Calypso, would you please take pity on us? And she says back, I don't think she says English. I think it's like Latin or something. She just screams like in Latin, yeah. Yeah, it's like, it's like Latin or Bayesian. I'm not into, yeah, no, it literally, <laughs> if, you, if you have it on subtitle, it just says yelling indistinct incantations. It's like okay, so no, so no one knows what she was saying. Okay, awesome. <laughs> there. there, she turned. There I don't think she's trying to say. It. It's just it's it's gibberish. It's just to show that she's being changed. Yeah, uh, she goes Gulliver's Travels on her. She goes Gulliver's Travels, turns into like fifty million crabs, and then that's 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 uh, that's that. She doesn't really add much to this whole movie, but eh, here we are. Creates <laughs> creates a whirlpool. Good job. Creates a whirlpool. Yeah, good. Which let's. I'm going to straight up tell you now, this is the second best action set piece in the entire trilogy, and it should be the first, but goddamn that triple threat fight on the spinning wheel in Dead Man's Chest is dope. Okay, I'll I'll grant you. I'll maybe grant you that. I Definitely top five. The Maelstrom fight is a very close second to that fight, though. The Maelstrom. This is a good fight. I just, I feel a little tedious, a little long. Yeah, oh, yeah, we're getting to that. Uh, we get to well, this the... is like the end. This is the final fight, as far as we knew, that would come in a Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Let's go out with a bang. I think they did. I think this was a very entertaining fight. Well, I mean, like you said, like uh, we get, you know, we get big, big inspirational speech, hoist the colors, and ride one on one. Pearl v. Dutchman, Dawn of Piracy. Who's gonna win? One last time. One last. One last time. For now. One last, one last ride. One, one last ride. It's all about pirates. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, <laughs> there you uh, have it. It's all about. <laughs> it's all about pirate family. So, uh, yeah, they uh, go, it starts raining, which I guess signals signals Davy Jones that Calypso's on his side or something. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if that. I'm not sure if it's a scream of like, "Hell yeah, I'm jacked up," or "Fuck you, bitch, <laughs> you screwed me again." No, it's it's this. <laughs> I think it's this emotional catharsis of knowing that he's never going to see her again. Oh, that's it? Okay. No. Oh, it, I think oh. it's this emotional moment where it's this, it's this scream of, like, I'm rid of you, but I don't want you to go. That's why he didn't want her unbound, because I think partly because, yeah, then the power of the sea is unkept. But I also think it's because then his love is gone. for Like, actually gone. So, yeah, uh, they, engage, they engage in a fight in a, whirl, in a whirlpool. Which, yeah, like, I mean, like we said, this is every other one, but yeah, the staging of the staging and the way the action is shot in this one is really great because you can always tell where these ships are in proximity to each other. You can always tell where you where you are. You can always tell yeah. which. You can always get a feel for which ship is doing better work in this. We see that uh, Pirate Drake and Josh, help me out, Caleb. Uh, Martog and Mullen. Right? Martog and Mullen. That thank you. They are the ones guarding the chests. 
probably not the best person, probably not the best people to put in charge of that. But I don't run. Royals. Oh God, no! I don't. I don't know who made that choice, but that was a that was a liability. I don't run. Yeah, I don't run. I don't run naval military, but that's. I, I don't think they're the people you put in charge of the heart of the most powerful people. Most powerful Mistake. person. In- well, to be fair, the only person that was still around that could have told them that was a bad choice to make was stabbed by Bootstrap Bill. That is true. But oh well. Yeah, yeah uh, we see that uh, Davy Jones reclaimed the key to his heart by tentacling Mr. Mercer to death. Fucking sure. horrifying and great. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a gruesome death for uh, one Mr. Mercer. Oh. And it's also such a, like, I think this entire scene, this entire fight, is the most cathartic Davy Jones gets to be in this entire series. I would agree. Where he just gets to let loose, because now he's not bound by Beckett necessarily, but he also gets to go ham on the people that he hates oh, in he this scene. No one's ever going to know if Mercer dies on this ship that it was Davy Jones. He can get, he get away with it. But also, he has the heart on his ship. And he can kill the person, and it won't get back to Beckett, and they can blame it on Jack Sparrow, and his hands are washed free of it. And like, I think Davy Jones is horrifying in this fight. He's yeah. just unbridled rage. And right here, this is like this is every form of action you've seen in this franchise so far. You see, you see swordplay, you see can you see cannons, you see guns. This is this is the culmination of every type of action you can possibly have in a pirates in a pirates movie. And yeah, we'll agree with Caleb. There's actually a pretty sweet fight. Does have some dumb shit like this next scene where uh, they take the time in the middle of this action <laughs> sequence to have a marriage ceremony. Because because why not? Because well, yeah, because why not? Why wouldn't you in this case? Yeah, but at this point, at this point, these guys are trying to get married. We're, we're here. <laughs> They've tried to get married twice, and it's like if we're gonna die, let's it's die like, married. You know, like. Yeah, even, why not? Even it, bro- it's a it's a fun it's a fun little thing that they do during the thing. Even Barbosa just like, hey, uh, we're a little occupied right now. Maybe uh, now isn't the best time. Although, a quick question. A little busy at the moment. Quick question. Uh, I know David yeah. Jones can't die. Can his crew? Can his crew die? Yeah. Oh yeah, they've been getting killed left and right. Okay. Uh, I that's something I know was never like hundred percent clear on. So yeah, we oh, have- which sucks because they like made a crew to like made a a deal with Jones to live longer. And technically they live longer, but not as long as they were promised because they have to fight, fight and die for this guy. And, and as fish people and as fish people. Uh, but, uh, yeah. So in the middle of his action sequences, they get married. They have a, they have a big kiss, which everyone else in the ship is, is, you know, they're polite enough to let them have this moment. You know, so get on them, you know, they're pirates, but they're not uncivilized. And then we cut back to the Dutchman where Davy Jones and Jack Sparrow are finally duking it out. This is a conflict that's been building up for, I guess you can say, like four hours worth of movie. Because, <laughs> yeah, I guess he's been the, he's been he's been the he's been the big bad this whole time, and yeah, they never never really had a face to face where they're fighting. And it's great, like. It's on a uh, it's on a setting where there's no way they'd be able to I keep their balance. It's like Pirates of the Caribbean, Re- Return of the King. <laughs> That's true. It just, yeah, like, like uh, Return of the King, because it's like it's is this movie better. Gonna, we gonna end? Whoa, we better than end? better oh, than Return of the King. I don't know about that. I just, I just, I just, I always... You heard me. You heard me. If Tim Brokaw is listening, you heard me. I said that right. <laughs> If, if Robert, we should if also thank we should also thank Tim. You've made it through three hours of listening to the podcast. Thank you, Tim. 
appreciate it. We appreciate it. So, uh, yeah, uh, he gets the key away from Jones. He gets the key away from Jones. He gets the chest. Uh, the monkey gets shot at a cannon, which is admittedly a pretty funny visual. Yeah, and, uh, which is fine. Yeah, uh, the, the, it all culminates in a three-way sword fight. First, Jack Jack gets knocked out of commission, and then Elizabeth comes in. She gets knocked out of commission, and then da- David Jones basically fights the three main characters. But the only one that gets stabbed to death is Will. Right, but the, I I do want to shout out another part of this fight. Yes, uh, is is the is Jack and David Jones on the mast of the ship? Right, with the with the chest. Yeah, yeah that's that's sweet. That is yeah, the sweetest sweet. action shot in the entire trilogy. Especially with the that camera, so cool. the way the camera sweeps and pans around it, and I just it swivels around them and yeah. just the, gives you the sweeping scope of the fight. But also, we get to see the two main characters of this franchise, the main hero, the main villain, face off one v one for the last time. Uh, tiny British man is the main villain, sir. So how dare you? <laughs> okay, listen here, sir. <laughs> He's your Lex Luthor, but like Davy yes. Jones is your real bad guy. So he's the Joker. He's Bane. Who is he? He's, he's your Joker. Okay. If you did a Batman Superman movie, yeah, Joker's the bad guy. <laughs> uh, but anyways, uh, yeah, uh, like we said, culminates in one fight. Will Turner gets stabbed through the heart. Uh, oh, that it's so crushing in that moment though. If first time I watched it, I was like, oh my god. Yeah, I thought they were actually going to kill Will. Admittedly, like, I I was shocked. I was shocked when they did this. When they uh, yeah. when when Will, Will Turner got stabbed in his heart, <laughs> and then like, like Jack Barrow, like you, you can see, like he's like genuinely distraught. He doesn't know what to do because he has the heart in his hand. He could stab it, but in this moment, he's like really contemplating every decision he could possibly make at this moment. And uh, at this time, Bill Turner distracts him, and you see the heart get stabbed. You don't know who does it, and it's. I question the logic of this because Will Turner is basically dead at this point. But Jack Barrow puts like what's left of his sword in his hand. He twitched and just like drops in on the heart. So does that kill go does to it, Will does or does it, it go to Jack? Does, yeah, it, does it count? Does it, it does it count if he like? Because this is the this is the okay. So I love this moment for a myriad of reasons. Uh, this is the perfect end for Will Turner's character, and it's and it's kind of like. Is it? It is. It is. Honestly, if you go back to the first movie, <laughs> if you go back to the first movie, pirating's in your blood. They're building to this. He can't end this as anything other than a pirate. And Will has shown that he is not a first mate. He is the makings of a captain himself. This is the perfect ending for him. It's a tragic end, but it's a perfect end for him. Um, and Jack is gets to send this, end this guy in the craftiest of Jack fashions. He solves the problem in the most Jack way. Pass the responsibility of the death to someone else, but he also is doing it in a way that will ultimately save the life of the person that is being affected. I think the perfect end for Will's character was the end of the first one. <laughs> Where it's just like, no, you get your girl happily ever after. <laughs> no, because that, because no, the perfect end for Will isn't is, that. Because then the second movie starts Jesus. and they're screwed. Someone no, will I'm, always I'm, chase him. Well, I'm saying like that—that—that that, that was the better ending of them where this ends off. But nevertheless, uh, we keep we keep going. We feel the Armada is still out there, so the Dauntless—no, I'm sorry—the Endeavor. The Endeavor is getting ready for war. They're about to go toe to toe with the Black Pearl, and this ship is nothing the joke because whereas most ships have one, one row of cannons, 
they have three rows of cannons. Which that is fucking terrifying. It is. If no, they I'll... can, if you can only shoot one round of cannons and they can shoot twice the amount back at you. Three times. Three times the amount. Three times the amount back at you. That's insane. Yeah. So they're about to go. They're about to go. Fi- they're about to go fight this bitch, and then. Oh, and then, oh my god, the Dutchman comes back alive, and no, all the crew are not fish people anymore. They've all turned back into humans, and uh, we see that Will Turner has, he is now the captain, he's got a sweet headband, and they're about to go ride and fight the, in, to fight the Endeavor. And this, is the best, this is the biggest fuck yeah moment of this movie. Where they're, where they're about to, where, the, where they're about to, where the Dutchman comes the, back The up? visual of Jack Sparrow and the Pearl. Jack Sparrow the Pearl, Turner and the Dutchman, just fire, 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 and they just take out Beckett like the bitch he is. Question is, I don't know why Beckett didn't try and fight back, because I'm no, not saying... He just, like, he, 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 he just he knew he was screwed. Yeah, he knew he was screwed. He was just the like... Moment, uh, the moment that he realizes the Dutchman's not on his side, Davy Jones is gone, the Pirates won, because the biggest, the muscle that you had is dead. But Coco, you're not listening. They have three rows of guns. <laughs> yeah, I mean they 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 do. Well, the Dutchman has this... two rows of guns plus the Pearl's one row of guns. So the Dutchman so the they're Trump. equal. But okay, but so... how awesome would it have been if Beckett said it was an honor playing with you guys tonight? <laughs> as the as the as, as he just gets he goes Titanic on him and just goes, you know what? I'm just going to take. I will go down with the ship. Uh, yeah, so uh, Beckett is like, it's good business, and he just walks to the it's front of the ship. Business. And I do, I mean, this is very kind of Bree, because they don't, they don't, uh, not, nothing hits him while he has his, his big moments. And again, one of my favorite shot, one another shot I do like in the movie was walking down the stairs, and every time you take the step, the step he just stepped Slow off motion. of. motion. Yeah. yeah. The step he, just, he stepped off of, it gets destroyed. I think that's cool. And then, Dramatic convention, of course, he had gotten destroyed by shrapnel, but like it's a cool visual of this guy wa- like walking through his own destruction. Yeah, because well, you know it's getting closer and closer. He's gonna get wiped out. It's just it's, right. it builds that suspense to the inevitable. I mean, yeah, right. And then uh, Beck- Beckett gets destroyed again after ten minutes of screen time. Cut the Beckett, everybody. Good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so he's a go- he's a good villain. I think Beckett is a good villain because he's the guy that plays from the background. He's not the guy that needs to be front and center. Yeah. So uh, the pi- the pirates win. Murtog and McCullen are now Mullenry. Mullenry. I'm never gonna. I'm never gonna get, get, get these, I'm never gonna get these names right. Murtog and Mullenry. You're gonna get a question about it one day. And you're gonna go, damn it. <laughs> That's what I, I know. Murtog. Yep. Murtog and Mullenry are now pirates, and yeah, the war between. I the, love that change. Though. Yeah, I don't. I don't know where. I don't know where they got the clothes, but I got. Oh, I got a question. Dead Maybe. Where they find a dead pirate? <laughs> no, never mind. I shouldn't oh. ask that. People probably died in the Black Pearl. I'm sure they did, but <laughs> yeah. So, uh, th- so yeah, uh, they the the the, do- the war is won, but there's still 20 minutes left in this movie <laughs> because uh, we have what? To- <laughs> we have to have the last what? scene between uh, we get we get a scene between uh, Will Turner and Elizabeth Swan. They go to I guess have their honeymoon for a day. <laughs> I do like it. They're on the beach. You see two swords because X marks the spot, right? Right? Wink, wink. Nudge, nudge. You know what I'm yeah. talking about. You know what I'm talking about, kids. Wink, wink. Nudge, nudge. Uh, we get like a minute a minute to a minute and a half of like Will Turner just stroking Elizabeth's leg. 
I mean, I, mean, I, 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 I get it. Take, take what you can because you're not going to see her again for another 10 years, which, which, by the way, why is that the rule? I mean, couldn't you just, like, lay out? We, we saw Davy Jones cheated a while back. Couldn't you just, like, lay out an elaborate system of buckets? <laughs> and then just, just like, or like, lay out a system of buckets, uh, hang There's out There's not in much the you can do when you have to keep both feet in a bucket. I mean, you, you, you could do a lot that way, but, like, couldn't you, like, hang out on the shore, have her come with you? Just do, like, the... Do like a back to tank, like Luke. <laughs> exactly, bring the right? tank with bring you. The you know I mean? Bring the tank. Bring the tank. The, the back to tank and Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. yeah why not? Make it so, crazy. So, sure. we'll, so yeah, we'll turn it goes off to Dutchman because to Dutchman because now he has to live a life of servitude, ferrying the undead to their afterlife. I guess the Dutchman disappears, and that's where we see that's was supposed to be the last shot we ever saw of Will Elizabeth Turner. Happy ending. Would that be Question also? Mark? Does he does he also negate his responsibilities? Uh, after? It's, it's hinted <laughs> it's hinted that he eventually neglects them at least a little bit because the ship is a little barnacly and he's a little barnacly in Dead Men Tell No Tales, which is why Henry is desperate to fix the ship. But anyway, uh, that's that's for the fifth movie, which has its own set of problems entirely, and which which which, which we'll get to in a few weeks. But yeah, we see that Jack Sparrow's ship has been jacked again. As we see that uh, Barbosa has once again taken the pearl to win. go find. He's taken the pearl to go find the Fountain of Youth, which I do like this moment because they leave. But in order to have some assurance in case he was left behind, uh, he takes the he takes the charts. He 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 cuts out like the ring part of the charts, so that way the they have no idea. Yeah, the actual part. Of the charts. That way they have no idea where they'd be going. Yeah. In case, and Jack Sparrow is Which going is off, and Jack Sparrow is going off by himself to find the Fountain of Youth. Something that should be straightforward, but much like all these movies, God is way more complicated than it needs to be. Uh, the well, movie. he goes off. He's going off to find the ship, but the goal is to go find the Fountain of Youth. Yeah, but, but he's doing it in style in a dinghy. In a dinghy. <laughs> the, we Come leave on. Jack Sparrow where we met him on a dinghy. In a dinghy on his own. And, riding uh, into the sunset with a map. We go to our post-credit scenes, which is, takes <sighs> place. We, well, no, no, we, can't, we can't finish yet. We got our post credit scene, which takes place 10 years later. We see that 10 years have been pretty fucking kind to Keira Knightley. Actually, who we kidding? They fucking have. And we see that, yes, it is now Will Turner's time once again to, to not be such a deadbeat dad and hang out on the shore with his family and probably give his son a sibling at some point. Yeah, then this is where Elizabeth Swan goes. Now I'm gonna go away for ten years. You take care of the other kid. <laughs> we'll, call, we'll, we'll call it. A, we'll, we'll call it a draw. I'm a I'm a crew that's been that bitch. So I don't do anything. I raised our kid for ten years while you were at Lollygag and I ran on the sea. Don't give me I shit. personally, and I personally think that they they kind of do Elizabeth a little dirty by leaving her here like this. I think that's a. Dirty move I mean, what, why, why, why can't they? Being a mom on an island. Why, why can't they all go off and be a pirate family together? Like, there's no they reason. should be. They That's, should be. They should be. The, yeah. The correct ending the, is the, Elizabeth goes off on the Dutchman with Will. That would have been better. And yeah. they go pirate together. That would have been so much That's better. The right or, or another scene would have been like if she was on, like they were on the boat together, and we see a pregnant Elizabeth Swan. I think that would have been kind of cool too. Better. You know what I mean? hundred percent. Yeah. I think that's better. Yeah. But the I dramatic agree. the dramatic sadness is like is the the idea that there that the the ocean is no place for a kid. Like the pi- pirating is no place for a kid. Not up. Because kid. if you look at if you look at the kids who have been pirates 
you get Jack Sparrow, who is not a not the most ideal person to grow up to be. Uh, yeah. But but I so I get it. But at the same time, it's like Elizabeth should be a pirate too. But, right. Oh. And well, it's a, it's a it's a mostly complete end for most of the arcs. And that's where and that's where we come to the end of Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End. Uh, so. Caleb, I'm going to go to you first. Your final thoughts on this film. So I think this is an excellent trilogy. Um, I think this movie wraps up just about every loose end in a mostly satisfying fashion. Yeah, you can think it's a little long or whatever. I think there. I don't think this movie is without its faults. I think there are problems with the movie, but I think I can overlook those problems because it, on the whole, is a satisfying film and a satisfying conclusion to what the first two set up. Um, Will ends the way he start the way he should be a pirate and a captain at that jack is off exactly where we left him on a boat looking for treasure because on a little dinghy without a po- without a boat going after barbosa on the black pearl exactly where we left him and um i think on the whole at world's end is we kind of said it throughout the episode is the return of the jedi of this trilogy uh you either love it or you think it's just okay um especially coming off a of demo's chest which i think slowly is becoming more and more people's favorite of the three because it is the Empire Strikes Back of the trilogy. Um, I love Dead Man's Chest. I still like the first one the most. Um, but I think on the whole, yeah. I'll wrap it up the same way I said at the end of Curse of the Black Pearl. I think this movie is very good. I enjoy it. And to me, Pirates of the Caribbean is my Star Wars. It's my favorite trilogy of all time uh, because of the characters, the way they bring this world to life. I love these characters. I love this world. And I'll go back to it any time. I think it's a majorly satisfying ending on the whole. And I hate that there are two more movies that are not nearly as good that come after this. All right, Russell, going to your final thoughts on Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End. Yeah, I mean, I, I like Gore Verbinski's trilogy. I do. Um, I'll go I'll go to bad form. I don't like four and five. We'll, we'll shit on those. That'll be fun. Um, <laughs> I think the runtime's a little long on this one. I've said it before. I mean, this, I'm, I'm nitpicking here, but I do feel like this this is a long runtime. Two hours and 38 minutes does drag uh, quite some quite some times. Um, if this movie was maybe 25 minutes shorter, I get it. You, I, I understand there's going to be the people like like Caleb, who's like a big fan. I get it. Like, there's a lot that they need to, to put in there. But do we really need all of it? Like, really? I, w- um, I will say, though, if they did cut it down by 20 minutes, then you have a Pirates of the Caribbean I, I like the fight sequences. <laughs> but but you know what I'm saying though. I just to me I I think there's some stuff that we can like do away with or make shorter just I'm to not, condense the time. I, mean, I don't um, mind but, doing things, but I, I agree. Yeah. Um, the calypso, the whole her turning into a giant. Like I just I feel like that's like a like a weak part of the film too. I get I understand she is the, you know the goddess of the sea. I totally understand that. I just I I don't like her her whole entire arc in this film. Um, but overall, kind of like echo what you know what Caleb said. You know we we see. You know, uh, Jack ends pretty much how he began, and then Will, you know, ends up, you know, fulfilling his fate, becoming a pirate. Um, and I, I do like the chemistry between, um, you know, Kira Knightley and Orlando Bloom in the film. I do. Um, it, it is, you know, uh, it is like the the driving of, of the, you know, of the, the trilogy, obviously, um, with like having Jack Sparrow as kind of like a sidekick character as opposed to what we see in four and five with him as a main mainstay character like the fate like the whole he's carrying the whole movie himself but uh then that's where i feel like four and five really starts to go downhill 
But overall, I mean, it's an okay film. Um, I just think they get progressively worse after, like, you know, obviously Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl, still my favorite. I still think it's the best of all five of them. Um, and I think Dead Man's Chest is the best sequel. I think they get progressively worse. I'm not saying that, you know, At World's End's awful. It's just not as good. To me, Dead Man's Chest is better. That's just my opinion. Um, but overall, I mean, it's an okay film. Uh, like, when it comes to 4 and 5, kind of how, like Caleb said, I wish they kind of just wouldn't have done it. We have a trilogy here. We have the ending. You know, cut, cut, print, and then, you know, we're done. You know, they, they're, they're married. They're together. They have a kid. We're done. We don't need to, you know... And then, he's a deadbeat you know, dad. Jack's out looking for the found... Yeah, he's a deadbeat dad who, 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 you know, shows up once every 10 years to be a dad. It's no big deal. No big but, deal. Um, and then we get, and then Jack's on his own expedition to try to find the, what, the fountain of youth, I think it is. Right. So I think yeah. it's, 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 it's fun in that perspective because then what you're thinking is, okay, well, Jack's going to go off and try to go on another adventure. And you kind of just like build in your head, like how, how it would go down without actually needing another movie. You know what I mean? Just have the trilogy and be done with it. And I, and I, I do agree with Caleb on it. I think we end it there. We don't need any more story. So I, I do, uh, I do hate four and five for that, but overall it's an okay film. Not the best sequel. Still like Curse of the Black Pearl the most. Yeah, this is uh, some of these death is undeniably flawed. It's <laughs> Jumper Russell is way too oh, long. For sure. It is. Where the first one was only kind <laughs> kind of too complicated. This one is very much too complicated. But despite everything I said about I agree. Despite the fact everything I said about this movie in the last hour and a half, two hours, I do like the movie. It's something I grew up with. It's something I do a fun nostalgia no, for. I, it, is a guil- it is a guilty pleasure of mine. Yeah. I like I like I like Jack Sparrow. I like the epic feel to it. I like all the score. I think it's well shot. So yeah, I'm still not upset. I watched it. In fact, I'll probably watch it again at some point. I do like those first movies quite a bit. Four and five are a different story. We'll get to yeah. that. We'll get to that in a few weeks. But yeah, I I do like this movie. I know it's not very good. Have fun shitting on the movies that shit on the best trilogy <laughs> in my in my life. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, that's gonna do it for us here, uh, Caleb. Uh, anything you want to plug before you head out? Uh, sure, you can find me personally on Twitter and Letterboxd at Caleb Coho, Caleb with a K, K-O-H-O. Otherwise, I'm over on Multiplex Entertainment on YouTube and on Apple and Spotify where we have our audio-only versions of a lot of stuff. We do trivia uh, if you're into that, but we also do shows like Your List Sucks, uh, which is Cody Newberry's opinion show. You have Multiplex Those Movies, which is Tim Brokaw's news show. Not a lot of news to do right now with coronavirus, so we might just be doing watch-alongs. Uh, but we also have, like, uh, jam session, which is a music interview show. A lot of different stuff for you to come check out. We'd love for you to get involved. So, Russell, you want to give our plugs for us before we hit up? Yeah, you can find us at Notorious by Chance on Facebook. Our Facebook group's really growing. I think we're almost at 320, so it's it's really growing. Um, and yeah, we only have a couple more weeks left of Pirates Week, and then we're going to move back into the polls as the Easter season comes up. So we have a lot of good polls for that. Um, you can find us on YouTube. We're going to get back into it once the whole coronavirus you know, blows over and stuff like that. We'll start to review new releases and we'll put that on our YouTube channel, Notorious by Chance. And that's really about it. And you know, it's probably a good time for us to start viewing things we didn't review when they were actually like in theaters. We, we can go back and like look some stuff. Yeah, like this is like, this could be, this could be catch up time. Yeah. And you can find me at Twitter, Instagram, Chance, Wars underscore 91. Um, I'm, considering I'm on like basically house arrest right now, <laughs> I might try and go. Uh, to review some of uh, start uh, PWCA, PWCA back up again. We'll talk to Robert about that. Uh, yeah, uh, watch Smowdown, join the Patreon. Uh, I'm sure news broke by now, but uh, yeah, free for all uh, got postponed. It's not happening right now, but we're going to keep you updates on that in the future. 
Uh, bottom line, things are going to get back to normal for us. Back to normal for Shmoda and everything else at some point. And uh, yeah, Russell, we're going to have to most likely have to continue this just journey on our own because we got two more weeks left in Pirates Month. And uh, next week we got Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides. So yeah, that's, uh, that's going to be interesting. So, that uh, movie sucks. I uh, know. Well, I guess we know how he feels about it. So, uh, yeah, it's gonna. Do- we, we know. We know. We know why it's not on Disney Plus. <laughs> That's true. We gotta work for that one. So. I watched it right before it went off Disney Plus for the first time since it came out, and fuck that movie. You guys have fun. Struck. <laughs> okay. So yeah, there's that, and we will. <laughs> that, uh, 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 thanks, Gail, for joining us. That's Russell on Chance, and we will see you next time. <laughs>